Hello and welcome to episode 50 woo, oh. of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast, telling stories from the LAFC community match by match, fan by fan, story by story. Before we get into it, let's give it up a cheers here, boys. 50 episodes here in S2S Studios, clinkety clink hey, all around. Cheers, we got guys. some bubbles going on here. Boom. Oh, that's some good bubbles. Tastes like college. <laughs> Bougie if you're drinking champagne in college. <laughs> champagne and beers. Yeah. Miller High Life. Yes. Yes. Miller High Life is the champagne I drank in college, yes. Maybe we shouldn't have jumped in right there. No, we welcome. welcome. No, guys. welcome, Thank welcome. You. Speaking of which, we have some <laughs> illustrious guests today. <laughs> we are joined today by our hairband hermanos of the pod fam, one self-proclaimed swashbuckling sensei of the shoey and sultan of Schmitty, alongside the king of knitted neckwear. These aforementioned allies of the airways, akin to all of us as the alliterative amalgamation, also known as the dastardly duo of devastatingly dashing and indubitably dedicated dudes deemed defenders of the bank. Wow! Messieurs, wow. Christian Philly, Philemon, wow. and well JR, the Scarf I mean, Liebert. I know you guys do that, right? Wow. For, for all of yours. Who yeah. writes those? Yeah, it's, it's a combination of the two of us. He tends to go down a little bit of a meandering path yeah. with some of these. <laughs> but I have to say, Philly, we just got one-upped at that. Yeah. That was incredible. Well a, done. I, I can't say that I'm the Sultan of the Schmitty, because really, Schmitty's my Sultan. I do everything for him. You ever go to, you ever have a cat? I have two cats. Okay, so then you know what it's like when you're cleaning up their litter box and they're basically looking at you and go, ha ha, human, I own you. But thank you for saying it the other way around. That makes me feel a little better about myself yeah. today. Well, we're, we're trying to, uh, you know, I mean, make it about you guys, <laughs> right? Pay, pay oh, sure. and, and by the way, thank you for having us on episode 50 yeah, of Shoulder to Shoulder. Guys, congratulations. Thank 50 you, thank episodes. You. Thank, you, thank you. I know we raised our glass before. We'll but raise it again. We'll clink it again. Why not? Thank, thank you, guys. Congrats. I have a feeling these glasses might get filled a few times tonight. Yeah. I'm not yes. too worried about it. <laughs> Nothing says success like double fisting on a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, that's when the, pl- the, club, the club goes up on a Tuesday. Yes. Absolutely. Right. But, right. but it's not only it's your 50th, but there's another special moment that occurred today. On this day in 1993, Major League Soccer was born. So not only is today your 50th birthday, but you're sharing that milestone with Major League Soccer. Congratulations, boys. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Cheers. Cheers. In three and we don't mean the multiple listing service. So we started your show, <laughs> our show, the show with uh, this day in LAFC history. I feel like we just stole something from you. But <laughs> hey, hey, speaking of which, <laughs> new, uh, new yeah, collaboration. Yeah, that's too. right. You want to announce that? Go for it. Man. So for those of you that listen in or, or follow it all, we uh, I started LAFC history, I don't know, maybe six months ago. And I was looking to potentially just get together and uh, have all the uh, history and the dates and relevant dates and stuff like that. And then I also saw that... Uh, you know, Defenders of the Bank had their This Day in LAFC History. That was something that's a keynote spot on, on your guys' episodes. Yeah. And I thought, why why try and split the uh, content? Let's uh, let's work together on this. So JR and I are going to collaborate on LAFC History, and we are going to be coming at you hitting hard in 2020. We yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and again, PodFam, we are yeah. a very close-knit community. We... We love working with each other and seeing what each other are doing at all times, and now we're not going to have a choice. We're, we're doing it. So it's yeah, fun. so it'll be good, you know, and uh, we definitely are going to have more content coming. What's the Instagram handle for that? At LAFC History. And we will one. be having the website, <laughs> uh, LAFCHistory.com, and uh, we're going to have, you know, relevant information like dates, obviously, but also giveaways, you know, what giveaways were available in 2018, what giveaways are in 2019. So if anybody wants to collect and look back, they can know, you know, what stuff they're missing out of their collection. 
You got I, the perfect guy to collect things from because I hang out with the scarf and oh Lord knows goodness. this guy's got every bit of regalia going back to the black, white, and red scarves. There's going to be plenty of giveaways and maybe that'll reduce your scarf collection. Yeah, I do have a couple of extras and I'd be more than happy to do that on LAFC History's webpage. You have Instagram. the red, white, and black scarves? So there were actually two different versions, one with the year and one without the right. year. Yep. Um, that yep. was Those were the first two mm-hmm. that were produced. Well, three um, different red, white, and black cards because you also have the 50-50 USA-Mexico Well, and I was just yeah, about yeah, to get yeah, into yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, that one, we were actually talking with someone Supreme on our Perez, Instagram. Shout yeah. out Some to you, deep cuts here. Yeah, at Supreme <laughs> Perez, the USA-Mexico game that was played at the Rose Bowl, I want to say, in, what was that, 2017? Uh, they did a LAFC scarf, and you couldn't even tell. On one side of the scarf, it just says LAFC in, like, I think it's red, white, and black. On the other side, it's a pretty sweet USA-Mexico scarf, and you don't see those very often. It's probably probably the rarest scarf that I've I've encountered in all of my time. And do you have that one in your collection? Yeah. And wow. so, Because uh, I have that one. Yeah. And I actually just acquired the black, white, and red. Shout out to my coworker, Miguel, who hooked me up fat. Cause nice. He, he was saying he's, he's not an LAFC fan, but he said that uh, his wife used to work with somebody who worked in PR. Oh, there you go. When the, the club was first announced. And yeah. that they gave him a bunch of stuff. And he was like, it's just sitting in a box in my house. He's like, huh. and I was like, uh, I will buy that <laughs> off of well, you. Well, if you head over to at LAFC underscore the scarf, there are pictures of a couple of different of our first scarves we made that first year, too. So, by the way, just plugging my own Instagram. There you go. Speaking of Instagram, plug them all. Yes. Uh, you can follow our guest here, of course, at LAFC The Scarf. We also have at Defenders of the Bank and at Philomonster35. That is your Instagram handles. Uh, if you if you are a Twitterite, uh, you could at Defend the Bank uh, so that we fit within the confines of Twitter's uh, right. uh, number Character of letters limit. there. Um, and then uh, you are at JR Libert on me. Twitter and then uh, Philly, do you do you have a Twitter? No, I don't tweet much, and the only reason we utilize it is because we attached it to the Instagram. There's just so much stuff to maintain on social media. I barely Facebook or MySpace or Friendster. None of those exist. I know. I'm just dating myself. I'm good enough with Instagram. Philomonster35. Although come August, it should probably turn into Philomonster40 because this dude's getting up in age. Don't laugh at me. You're not far behind. Is that how you got the 35? Yeah. Not because I ever wore that number in high school. I was going to say, that was my baseball number, actually. I was 24 in high school, hey, such as Lee Wynn. You could also just do... Uh, oh, I thought your age. Phil Monster. <laughs> <laughs> I think I am like, still 24. Phil Monster right. D-O-T-B. Ooh, Ooh. I like that idea better than 40. Yeah, you that, me too, clearly. Thank Maybe we you. should edit that out before somebody swoops in and snags it from <laughs> us. Uh, oh my God, that would be the Speaking best. Speaking of someone stolen that. from us lately. Well, we have oh. a couple of days to create uh, yeah. Yeah, we hate that. to bring it up, but we do want to help get a PSA out uh, there um, for uh, our friends on the couch here, the defenders of the bank. Sadly, uh, we're homeless. We're on the couch. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, man. What, well, what Jonathan is trying to tell people is someone stole our canopy, man. Yes, Philomonster Studios crazy. was sadly raided this week, and the infamous defenders of the bank canopy <laughs> has disappeared. Now, I would say this is probably one of the most recognizable pieces of flair from Christmas Tree Lane. So uh, we're putting out uh, an APB here, uh, an all-pod broadcast. Oh, uh, I like it. Hopefully oh we can get this Ooh, out good. to the pod fam as well, too. Um, we are shortly in the next few days going to get a police report number to be able to put out there for you. If anyone sees the defenders of the bank pop-up tent show up anywhere in the greater Los Angeles area, please let your local law enforcement agency know, uh, and let's try and get that piece of property returned to our friends here. So anything 
PodFam, all of our listeners that you can do to help get the Defenders their pop-up tent back. That would be sincerely appreciated. Yeah, and any information leading to the capture back of our canopy, I have a black and gold Golasso scarf that I designed. I have one of those in store for you, and you can have every pin that the Defenders have ever made as well as our scarf. So we're hopefully going to get this back. I know that's a very small reward, but... We would hope that someone out there sees something and says something. We miss our canopy. I'll, I'll up the ante on that. You'll oh. get all of that and a fat C-note with Benjamin Franklin's face on it. No Whoa. joke. I'm dead serious. The fact that a canopy, of all things that was stolen, it blows my mind. It's like Austin Powers, like that scene where he gets hit in the face with a shoe. Honestly, who throws a shoe? Honestly, who steals a canopy? You could have taken the grill. You could have taken the lawnmower. The leaf blower. Hell, the cooler. The volleyball. The oh. The wakeboards, the canopy. If I see it off of a highway and there's homeless people huddled around it, I won't be as upset. But if I happen to be driving around and I see it in Santa Monica or I see it in the Elysian Fields, then I'm going to be pretty PO'd. So on top of everything Scarf said, a fat C-note with Benjamin Franklin on there. The new, crisp Benjamin Franklin, not the older one. Shoulder to shoulder got to experience rants with Philly right now, by the way. That was pretty good. That was All of a sudden, you guys just see, this is what happens. He just goes and you got to kind of hold on to the rest of the roller coaster car to see it's, where it's... It's my fault. Out. I gave them out alcohol. <laughs> the last thing you want to do is hold your passion bag. <laughs> I know, right? That's for sure. Well, I can tell you right now, uh, Gringo is willing to throw in uh, a bottle of bubbles or whatever your drink of choice preference category is. I kind of want to find this now. <laughs> like, like, our next person is going to give me something else. I mean, inflation is a mother. A hundred bucks might buy you like a bag of Cocoa Puffs, a pretzel, like a large milk, and a Tropicana, but still, a hundred bucks is a hundred bucks. So you get a scarf, pins, Alcohol and a hundred dollar bill and good mixers, I guess. Yeah, let it, yeah, and then we'll party right <laughs> under the canopy afterwards. It'll be fantastic. We get cocoa puffs. How? Why how, not? Cocoa for we, cocoa puffs. How did we get here? <laughs> to fifty episodes. <laughs> so, back but no the tracks. We go. Well, speaking of things happening within the LAFC community, yes. let's let's reel it back in here. Yeah. So, we definitely had some big news happen within the community since our last episode. Most notably, I would say, is the CONCACAF Champions League draw. We had the absolute worst-case scenario based on yeah. our predictions. No, you know what? Again, it's the same thing at the end of the season. I, I, I don't want to—I want to earn it. We have the best, hardest opponent in the other, in the other pot. Yo, I'm 100% okay with us playing Leon because if we expect us to play on this big stage— we got to play with the big boys, and Lyon is a good team. So, one hundred percent, I would rather be playing Lyon than a smaller club, and and go on to the next round just to say, oh, we went to the next round. If we can't beat Lyon, then then it's obviously not. Then we shouldn't, you know, have gone on to the next round anyways. Well, we're starting our Concacaf Champions League with the finals. Is essentially how it's working, which I think all of us knew that the path to glory was going to go through Guanajuato at some point in time. I don't think we wanted that to be our first competitive match of the year. Totally. But it would really speak a lot in the event that LAFC has a very good outing against Lyon. I mean, that's going to speak volumes as to where we are. If we can have like some type of midseason form that early in the season, it's a big thing. And I'm going to completely agree with you. If you want to state yourself as the lion, the king of the jungle, you are not going to accomplish that by slaughtering the little baby cubs. You're going to do that by slaying the most viable competitor. And I'm with you. I'm excited about that matchup. We take out Lyon. I'm not going to yeah. say it's cream cheese afterwards, but it certainly it will strike a, fear, and it sends a, it message. Sends a message. Exactly. I, I don't yeah. disagree with what you're saying, but I would prefer that be a later match. You know, what? just because we're we're barely in like 
like preseason at that point. Right. I, you know, that's, but, that's the only I, only argument against it. I don't. I don't think that our starting eleven. Well, minus minus Miller, right? Because we have Cisniega now. So our but our starting ten guys that are that are out on the pitch, outside of a goalkeeper, they're practically the same. So it's not like we have anyone coming in that's going to have new chemistry working with it. Yes, we aren't going to be guys that have been playing for. Uh, months and months and months, and the, their fitness may not be necessarily where you want it to be. You would hope that they are fit coming into this this level of competition because they know that it's coming. But at the same time, too, I mean, these guys have been together and what they accomplished last year. I I think that it is we're not at a disadvantage as much as somebody else could be because of the players we have. Well, I don't and, know. Here, here's my thought yeah, on the whole please. thing. The thing about Liga MX, when the because they have the Clausura and the Apertura, right. they are in form right. for almost the entire year. Right. MLS takes a four month break theoretically, and if you're like the Vancouver Whitecaps, like a six month break, <laughs> depending on how you did the season before. And we've got guys like we've talked to some of the LAFC players who've said, "No, I'm going away for a month. Exactly. I am shutting down. Exactly. I am taking a break." And and you're talking about. A league in Liga MX that is fiercely protective of its dominance over MLS to begin with. And now you're giving them the biggest, newest, shiniest toy to play with in the very first round against a team that has been solid for the last three or four years. Now, Leon coming, you know, coming up in the ranks of Liga MX teams. A lot of people just talk about the Cruz Azuls and the Club Americas and, you know, a couple of the other bigger teams. Tigres, the Tigres. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But now you have a team that has kind of flown under the radar a little bit in Liga MX that has a chance to make a huge splash. And and look, I'll be totally selfish. I wanted to draw a team like Portmore United so I could... I've never mm-hmm. been to Jamaica. Look, I've been to, and I know this isn't like Great, real Mexico, selfish. but Puerto Vallarta, Cozumel, like I've been to a couple of the touristy destinations. Sure. I just wanted to check off another country on my list I haven't been to. That being said, like we've talked about on our podcast, and I'm sure you guys are going to do the same thing, we're going to head down to Guanajuato. I'm really excited for it. Of course. But again the toughest draw at the toughest time that we could possibly have them. And to me, what it really shines a light on more is how many changes MLS needs to make in their schedule if we want to really compete on an international level or if we're just satisfied with doing what we've done. You're 100% right. If you look at social media, look. Carlos Vela was in the Maldives. Jordan Harvey was in Hawaii. Walker Zimmerman's in New Zealand. They're on vacation, deservedly so. They played a tough season. Yes, all these other clubs have played, but again, it just... Winston Churchill said it himself. If you're going through hell, keep going. And quite honestly, if we get hell right off the bat, I love it. Another sport I really love to watch is college basketball. I'm an Indiana Hoosier fan. They're 9-1, but their 9-1 record is not deserved. Why? Because they played Burger King College of Wisconsin. That's nobody in terms of like the strength of schedule. You come off the bat and you perform well against a really, really good club. That speaks volumes. And it'll also show you, if you don't play well, the areas of improvement you need to focus on right away. Because let's not, you know, let's not be... Let's be honest here. We want to see our club do well, but at the end of the at the end of the year, we want to know where our advantages and our disadvantages are. And if we play Lyon and we absolutely annihilate them, that's going to be a great thing. Their leading scorer, JJ Macias, somebody who was linked to us, he is not going to be on that team. Their number one striker, their twenty-year-old striker, is not on that team. He went back to Chivas. We yeah. don't know who we're going to line up against. The team is still stacked, by the way. Of course, will we, yeah. will we have time, Diego Rossi? Will we have Diego Rossi? We don't probably, know who's going to start not. in goal. We probably, don't know who's going to be in the back line. Probably not. But the point is, I'd rather play somebody good right off the bat because it'll really show how good of a team we are right I off agree. the bat. I don't, well, dis- I don't disagree with anything that you're saying. I'm just saying that 
you would have preferred it to be yeah. a, an or easier li- first opponent to be not able easier, to... or even if it was just a month later. You know, a month it's, later, that'd be good. Yeah, it, that's what I'm saying. It's it's just the timing. Like we're still in preseason when they're like four or five games in, and we're only in preseason because we made Champions League. We get yeah. to start eleven days earlier exactly. than some of the that's, other teams. That's, that's my my only qualm against that's it. That's the other thing. But on the other end, what if we lost to Portmore United? What would that really speak? And that would also show a lot of blemishes on to the to the rest of the MLS how we look. I so, don't think in a home and away we would have ended up on the losing side of Portmore. But, you know, maybe. I mean, that's a hypothetical at this point. But we do know that we are going to be kicking off our preseason with two announced friendlies so far at this point. So we have a friendly versus Seattle, and we have a friendly versus Penarol that's going to be coming up from Uruguay. It's not official yet, but those are the rumors. The dates are not official, but we're pretty (laughs) sure the matches at this point are official. We haven't announced the exact dates, and we don't know exactly times, but we do know that those games are going to take place sometime in January. So we should get at least a couple fiercely competitive matches gearing ourselves up for that away trip. And I think most importantly, you know, whether we go and, you know, Leon's in midseason form and they show it in the match and we're not, this is going to be a chance for us as a culture and as a brand to get to go and show that to the world on a global scale. And I'm really excited for all the members of the LAFC community. JR, you mentioned you're going. Uh, I am certainly going. Um, there's uh, Hopefully Christian can make it as well, too. Um, and, and how we as the collective LAFC fans choose to present ourselves when we're down there in Leon and, and what kind of energy we can bring to that stadium and what kind of show we can put on. That, to me, is what this is about. Absolutely. This is LAFC's chance to to make a stamp on a global community as to what our fan base means within the global terms of soccer fandom. And win or lose on the pitch, we have to win in the stands. And so I sincerely, hopefully, encourage every single person in the LAFC community to make that trip down there. Uh, we should be finding out tomorrow, Wednesday, Tuesday, at time of recording here, yeah. uh, what exact date the match is. So look into those tickets, look into those plane flights. Let's go down there and let's just have fun being LAFC fans. Win or lose, that's what this is about to me. It's that chance for us to put that show on. Well, what I love, sorry about this, is that our front office has brought in a lot of great international teams to the bank. We've been lucky enough to see Borussia Dortmund, Vissel Kobe, hopefully if everything is what they say it is, Peñarol, this year. Need that jersey. But then to be able to go and play our first meaningful international game against a team that's respected on the world stage. Now look, they're they're not a powerhouse in Liga MX, but they are definitely well known throughout North, Central, and South America. And it's going to be a lot of fun to see how we can measure ourselves in our first meaningful international game. It's going to be a lot of fun. Amen. Well, speaking of bolstering the squad for away days, we do have two other big notes within the LAFC community. We have officially signed two players. So we have Danny Mazowski, who's the 24-year-old Nevada native, joining us from Reno 1868. Yeah, it's okay. I've never heard of them either. Reno <laughs> <laughs> 911 FC. Right. USL team, yeah. Yeah, USL team. 11 goals in 23 appearances. The 24-year-old appears to simply be a squad player. I don't think anyone believes at this point in time he's going to get big minutes or play a big role um i think he's going to be part of the competitive b squad yes. might get yeah. some usl games himself where he's familiar yeah. with the competition open cup uh in the open cup mm-hmm. exactly he did have 11 goals in 23 appearances and in high school scored 58 goals in a season once right it's, it's, it's an amazing player number. of the year and they play like 20 games in a season he had 58 goals. who is the other gatorade player of the year on our team Ooh. harvey 
That is Jordan, Jordan Harvey. Is that it? is correct. Jordan Harvey? Yeah. That's awesome. Hey, yeah. shout out to Jordan Harvey, Actually, by the way. I think Jordan was the first Gatorade yeah. player of the year ever. Yes, he was. Yeah. Did you guys yes, see, was. by the way, this was a shout out to, uh, I believe it's at Jack and Ava's mama uh, on Instagram. She found <laughs> something like, Who is that? on <laughs> She Kim. sits in our section. She sits in our section. She's got two beautiful kids. They hang out with us all the time. She is a big fan of Kimberly Caldwell Harvey, and by the okay. way, so is everybody sitting in this room, I think. Sure. Amen. And apparently yeah. oh, on her Instagram story, she put something out there like, really happy to get ready for next season with LAFC or something. Oh. And then all of a sudden, I went to go look as soon as she texted it, and it was gone. So maybe some news about Jordan Harvey coming back to the He club. wouldn't be appearing at all these other like promotion yeah. things with yeah, you he if was, he wasn't He was at the 99 cent store at the Toys exactly. well, I think he's technically under contract. a new home here in the that, LA right? area exactly. as well. Right? That's another thing. Well, yeah. that's also, I mean, Kim has huge connections in the entertainment industry. She's Steve Harvey. Formerly, right? Now she's yeah. doing a lot of other things. But and Now she's married to Jordan Harvey. She is married. <laughs> He loves them Harveys. He's still under contract to December, so it makes sense he's still making appearances. Right, but right. yes, there's a lot of telling signs. Yes, yeah. we're at, and obviously we we're all in this room big fans of Jordan Harvey. Of course, not, not just for what he means on the pitch, yeah. but no. for what he means in our community and right. everything. So. And he's a SoCal native, so please I, Jordan, I want him to come stay home. on the show. Tell us all about it. We'd yeah, love yeah to back hear to it. back. Jordan, we know you're big fans of the show. Thanks yeah, for listening to the Shoulder to Shoulder podcast. <laughs> yeah. There it is. I was waiting for it. <laughs> So in addition to the signing of Mazowski, we also have the signing of Francisco Guinella, uh, who is one uh, an Uruguayan, maybe maybe uh, Uruguayo. <laughs> I mean, the, is that the, our we have no, no, but we have the scouts there, right? The the yeah. that's we I mean, we should expect to be getting Colombia. a lot of you know players from those regions just because those are where our scouts are. Yep. Yeah. So the 20-year-old midfielder came to LAFC for a reported 2.5 million dollars in Tam. And we also have 75% of his sell-on rights. Uh, so his previous club retaining 25% of those rights. A 20-year-old midfielder only had one goal in 32 appearances for club last year. Uh, but in the Uruguayan U20 team, he did have one goal in three starts yeah. with uh, a beautiful assist from Raito. That video has yeah. been passed around. All around the internet. Um, and uh, just turned 20 and still already has uh, multiple appearances. I believe four appearances for the U24 team yep. as well, too. Um, now, Measuring defensive midfielders by their goals might not be the most accurate statistic, but to be honest, there weren't really much in the way of defensive statistics <laughs> that I could find on him. Right. Um, so that was all that was really out there and reported. Now but. he's coming from Montevideo Wanderers, by the exactly, way. Exactly. Yeah. The Wanderers. The, yeah. the price point. You buy him for that much. His salary is going to be higher. So I feel like most of the time DPs have a salary over one point five. On average, right? You look at the other DPs across the league. So you wonder then, we bought him on TAM. You wonder if we sell Diego or Brian, because I heard that people are asking about Brian because of how he's, he's been become a commodity. For, yes. Right. Uh, Uruguay. If we sell one of our DPs, are we going to move? This new player into that DP spot. I don't think we should if we don't why have would you? to. And and number yeah, why one, would look you? at and I, I know this is an LAFC podcast and not the team from down the road in Carson, but look at what they did with Christian Pavone uh, last year and and now this year again they've renewed his spot on a TAM contract. And I think I believe no, he, was, he was renewed. He as was a DP. renewed this year as a DP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came in as a TAM. What's right, interesting right. to me is what it says for MLS. We kind of opened the show, Philly. You talked about it being the twenty fifth anniversary of Major League Soccer, and how far have we come that we've gone from the days of recruiting guys like Didier Drogba and Bastian Schweinsteiger and Wayne Rooney Andrea and Pirlo. all of these guys. Yeah, oh, Andrea yeah. Pirlo, my favorite MLS player of all time. For me, 
we're gone from bringing in older, former European all-time greats as their retirement home to now we're attracting 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old talent from some of the the hotbeds of new talent around the world in soccer. It means so much for MLS that we're able to acquire guys yeah. like you know people like Pavone and Brian Rodriguez and even Pulido. Uh, yeah. Diego Palacios well, and even, Brian Pulido. Yeah, all these guys. Even some South Americans were more established back then. Valderrama, Echeverria. Oh, yeah, so, so even the we were down in that region, but getting some of the more established... Getting younger talent. Yeah, now we're getting is, younger talent, yeah, exactly. So I mean, but yeah. I, like how you said about Pavone, right? The Galaxy resigned him, and as a DP, right. and so I'm saying, do you think that if a DP spot opens up, that this, no. this, we have this player in here, no. and he is going to transition? Not into at least till next year. Yeah. Why would you do that if you already locked him in as a ten player? I'm not saying that you would do that this year, but I'm saying, do you think that we acquired him with the with almost like the thing, like, hey, as soon as a DP spot opens up, it's going to be yours. It's we the, have him for four years. I yeah. mean, essentially, maybe get rid of him after three. But if we have the ability to bring in a designated player yeah. at that point, we're getting so many Uruguayans. Why not leave that spot open for Cavani or well, Luis Suarez? And, and look, I'm the kidding, other, not that saying that that's going to happen. Uh, but if you have deal. the ability to yeah. do oh, that, goodness. keep it open. The other thing, though, that people aren't talking about is we are also we being MLS and definitely LAFC. We are acquiring a lot of these guys to grow their value and to sell later. Look at what we have been doing with Diego Rossi. Look at potentially what's happening with Brian Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. And, and even Palacios. You know, and, and the thing is, we are not a team, by the way, that's as cash-strapped as a lot of the other teams in Major League Soccer. But if you can acquire a guy for two, three, four, five, six million and sell him for 10, 12, 14, 15 million, mm-hmm. that's sort of what the game is still all about with MLS. While achieving the things that the team wants to do. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I don't see the point in restructuring a contract you signed for four years after right. the first year. That doesn't Agreed. make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, so yeah. I don't. Uh, I just spilled champagne. It's a good question. I, but I was I, watching I, him move the glass though, as you tried to. Yeah, I know. To I was wondering. That was fun for I'm collecting drinks in my hand. It's <laughs> okay. It landed on my leg. We're okay here. Yeah. Mine too. Sorry, guys. For champagne. <laughs> no, that was fun for all of us. Um, I think you know the other important fact about uh, you know the signing of Francisco is that he already has experience with multiple members of the squad with his Uruguayan right? experience. Yeah. So when we talk about. You know, Bob being so dependent on players who have, you know, chemistry with the rest of the team. You know, he already has a connection to players, communication with them, experience with them. So adapting to L.A. and the lifestyle here is going to be easier. Plus, he already has that on-the-pitch ability. I'm sure he's probably been following his fellow teammates and watching LAFC games. So he's more aware of our product on the pitch and Bob's coaching style than perhaps another player coming in would be. So I think his integration into the squad could be a little smoother. But I don't see him pushing any of our midfield out at the moment. No, not not at the moment. I was going to say, I think his defensive tendencies are one of the things that's harder to teach, which is good to have that. I think a twist that took him almost a season to get good at that. And his, but his passing was there. K was more defensive minded, but his passing was there this past season and blessing just came out of nowhere. I think blew everyone's minds on the things he could do on both sides of the pitch. Him, Francisco, once he gets on the field, I think defensively, he's going to be spot on. I think what we are going to have to kind of be patient with, at least at first, I think, at least through training camp, is going to be his vision and passing ability. Because those are some of the things that I think are going to be difficult to pick up coming to LAFC because all of the spacing, the triangles, the patterns that Bob has instilled and that starting core 
are going to be something that he's going to need to be accustomed to because I think he's not playing in such a fluid system. It's more of a traditional single or double pivot with like a single striker and attacking down the wings down in Uruguay. Well, and something that not a lot of people want to talk about is the fact that Edward Atuesta is playing at such a high level and has been for the last year plus now. What's to say that he doesn't catch the eye of right. somebody in some yeah. division over in Europe? Sure. And now you've got at least somebody who can come in, and while he is obviously not an Atuesta clone, he can play the same position in midfield. Yep. Now, Atuesta a little bit more of a a, a, a passing midfielder sure. instead of a defensive mid, but I'm so worried, and I've said this to, to yeah. people left and right, we can lose Atuesta. We could lose K. K's had set ambitions or expressed ambitions of going abroad. Yeah, too. and he's yeah. played so well for yeah. Team Canada lately sure. that you know they've obviously they've caught a lot of people's eyes beating the U.S. the way they have. Although, why does everybody think it's a big deal when you beat the U.S.? We've been garbage now for the last I don't know how many years. Couple but, years, yeah. But you know, whenever Pulisic is on the field, then everybody's going to watch on the pitch. It was me. a but, big deal to me that we lost to Canada. Oh, well, as badly as we did too, right? Mm-hmm. That was the other thing. But I think we have so many players that we are looking at, going, "Well, why wouldn't Europe want an Eduardo Tuesta? Why wouldn't Europe want a Diego Rossi, a Brian Rodriguez?" So we're just trying to set ourselves up for the future because we know how volatile the sports market is in Los Angeles, and as soon as you are not a contender, not relevant. You know, people tend to spend their entertainment dollar differently. So I really applaud our front office for trying to do everything they can to keep a well-stocked cupboard should any of these guys leave. Totally agree. Now, what happens in your mind, though, a year from now when we have, let's say we've maintained everybody? Well, look, it's the same problem that you get guys like, you know, the Golden State Warriors having or you get teams, you know, that, that are consistently great and have to amalgamate all of these stars. As long as we are winning trophies, as long as we are putting ourselves out there on not just the MLS stage, but on the international, the global stage, I feel like players will buy in knowing the fact that we are one of the very few MLS clubs that catch the eye of the world year-round. When you have a player like Carlos Vela, who, you know, there's all these unsubstantiated rumors about Barca, right? But I'm a firm believer in where there's smoke, there's fire. It might not be Barca, but it might be four or five other teams throughout Europe that are making overtures. Well, if they're watching Vela on tape, they're also watching Latif Blessing. They're also watching Eduardo Atuesta. They're also watching Brian Rodriguez. And to me... Googling LAFC. Exactly, right? So you get more of those international eyes on you. To me, it's a matter of when, not if, if we lose these guys, especially yeah. no, no. Diego Rossi and Atuesta. Well, and we'd said on our show, too, I think Christian was the one that, that brought it up, said that John Thornton had come out and said, we are going to be a seller's club. Yes. Yeah, yeah. they yes. said it, yeah. You yes. know, we get used to the idea that we are not going to have lifetime players. We are a seller's club. We right. are building youth and selling them for more money. I forget yes. on, the MVP, that, on the MVP pod. I, I forget who it was that said it, but somebody said... You attract fans by winning trophies. You attract players by selling. You know that. Yeah. That players, young players, will want to come to LAFC if they see it as a launching pad for a player to take that next step in his career. I think it was Max Paredes. Now that I think about it, speaking of MVP podcast, but I, I mean, you have to get talented young players in order to succeed and you have to sell those players for a profit in order to be a smart club that succeeds financially and you're not going to succeed on the pitch if you don't succeed financially so the sale of players has to happen and can you imagine the 19 year old the 18 year old the 17 year old who's playing in 
any of those countries in South America, Central America, yeah. they're looking for their foot in the door. They're looking for their way yeah. out so that even if it's, you know, Barca Team B or even if it's any of these other larger clubs, just to get noticed, if they feel that jumping to MLS and hopefully more specifically LAFC is the way to enhance their brand, then all that's doing is enhancing our brand as well. You know, I, I definitely think that if you look at the market right now of all of the teams in the MLS, even without them playing a game, I think that Miami is going to be the another one of those clubs Absolutely. that is going to attract young talent as a springboard to, especially with the association with David Beckham, yep. uh, you know, and especially because of where Miami is located in the country. Uh, I definitely flight to the south. Yeah, and Jorge Mas too. Just having him as the owner, knowing yeah. what he means to Mexico. I mean, it's they need a coach about, first. Oh well, they need a coach. That's what they, they need, need before they can really say anything. But, no, but I, I just but they I, are attractive. Jorge yes, has the best last name, by the way. What's that? Oh, he has the best last name. And speaking <laughs> yeah. and speaking of Miami. So it was announced that game one of the season is yes. going to be against the Martians in Flamingo's clothing. It is going to be against ha! Inter-Miami. Like <laughs> so uh, uh, the fighting Beckhams will be coming in their delightful pink attire you know yes. what, I, to join I, us at the bank. A, a welcome back for Lee Wynn for sure. Oh, that's it's going to be a party. Yes, for, for sure. him. Yes. Unless he scores a goal, then we boom. No. no. Are you kidding? No. I will cheer. Hold on a minute, sir. Where did Lee Wynn go to college? Yeah, I get it. He's a fellow Hoosier, but at the end of the day, if he who? scores against us, who? we boom. Yeah, exactly. Who, who, who? So, I'll tell you black what will happen. It's like when Mike Piazza came back as a Padre. Yeah, fine. He hits Hold a home on. run when against Mike the Mike Piazza left as a, a crybaby, dude. He was he was. What's going on right now? Mike <laughs> Piazza left as a home All right, so, so five uh, out of six of us in this room, and I'm including you in this. Don't worry. Five out of six of us in this room are super happy to see Lee Wynn coming back. And I, for one, if Lee Wynn scored a goal, the last thing I would do was boo Lee Wynn because he was and still is to me an MLS all-star caliber midfielder who lost his spot to an incredible season by Latif Blessing and did everything right as one of those guys yeah. that you would want in your locker room as a veteran and I I'm surprised it's you Hating a little he bit. He scores the game-winning goal that beats us. That's you not what you said. That's not what you oh, said. I retract my statement. <laughs> I said if he scores a goal, but if he scores the game-winning goal, there's nobody in here that's going to cheer for that. I'll tell you what will. That's true. What will happen? But it'll be a reluctant clap if he scores in a, a regular goal. game. Yeah. We'll go right on singing, maybe just a little bit. Absolutely, louder. I love that. You know, there there is no booing in the North End. There's only no, singing. Just singing. That's no, right. but I, and, and I will have my Lee Winch T-shirt on underneath my jersey. That whole game. It, that's definitely, you know, I, I do like the idea of, you know, when uh, the Toronto game came around and uh, Simon came back. Yeah, I, but I he wore... left under different circumstances than the. No, no, right. But I'm just, I'm simply Shout saying, out Slim. I'm saying, I'm just saying that's that funny. when when the when that game happened, I wore my Simon jersey. Yeah, and, I do too. And I for because of this, like I almost want to go out and buy a, a win jersey just so that I can wear it for uh, the game. Maybe I'll sell. Maybe I'll bring my Pacific <laughs> Islanders. Yeah, I don't know. And, and I think we're all saying the same thing. We will always have a soft spot. Yeah. For yeah, the for the Lee wins, for the Laurent Simons, even for the the Benny Failhabers, the Christian Ramirez's. Yes. Maybe not so much for the Andre Hortas, but you know they they, they were black and gold at one point. So to me. They will always be black. And 100%. Gold. Lee Wynn was taken from us. Yeah. Simon left, left us. Yes. Huge, That's the difference. Huge That's a good distinction. Yeah. Very Huge true. difference. Very to true. Me. 
I think we have arrived at our conclusion about what's going on within the community here. Why don't we go ahead and transition to the two gentlemen seated to my right here. Why don't we talk about Christian and JR? Because I think everyone within the LAFC community at this point in time is very aware of Philly and the Scarf. But I don't think many people get to know you outside of your characters that you portray on your show um, and, and at your tailgates. And so I think we'd kind of like to highlight for a minute who you guys are. Because for those of us who've gotten to know you within the community, two of the nicest people in the bank, two of the nicest people in the stands for sure. Thank now, you. fortunately, for anyone who's followed your show like most of us have, we, we know a lot about your guys' backgrounds. Uh, we know, JR, that your, your love of football came from coaching kids and your love of yes. professional football really started with LAFC. Yes. And Christian, your love for the game sort of started with European clubs and then transitioned to MLS with the formation of NYCFC. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your footballing background and maybe throw in an anecdote that perhaps we haven't heard on your show. So my footballing background consists of experiencing it through the eyes, like you mentioned, of four, five, six, and seven-year-olds on what was once a slanted pitch. And when I tell you it was slanted, I work at Palms Recreation Center on Overland and National in Los Angeles. And it is a very small recreation center in a very nice part of West LA. So not far from the West Side Pavilion and from Cheviot Hills and from a lot of other places that, you know, maybe if you're familiar with the West Side, you know of. And at one point, there was a four and a half foot grade from the left out of bounds line to the right out of bounds line on our field. So literally, these kids were learning geometry just as much as they were learning how to play soccer because they would kick the ball uphill and it would do a little angle and then go back down into the goal downhill. And to me, to see kids be able to enjoy soccer on a pitch that barely had grass and was completely slanted and still having the time of their lives, that opened up my eyes into how wonderful the game of soccer could be. I am born and raised a baseball player, water polo player, swimmer all the way through high school and college and loved all of those things until my right ankle decided I was done playing almost all of those things at some point in my life. And so to be able to experience that and then now with LAFC to see some of my former soccer players when they were younger, to see them in the stands, whether it's in the North End, which I have one or two of my families in the North End. I have a family that just, I convinced them to buy tickets, and they decided, well, we want to sit where you sit. So they're they're sitting up in Founders. I've got families sitting in, like, Section 101. I've got families sitting all over the bank. You should get a cut. It, it is. I mean, right? <laughs> Ticket reps, watch out. I'm coming for you. But. Honestly, it means the world to me to see the game through all of these different kids' eyes who I've had an impact on at some point by running these leagues and now to be completely transformed by the experience at the bank. You had mentioned Philly's got a lot of experience cheering for teams in the Bundesliga and in Premier League, and so they have this atmosphere, this culture built in, and I didn't know about any of that pre-2017, and now I've gone down the rabbit hole because of LAFC. But my first game at the bank, I was like, well, this is totally different. I'm born and raised in LA. I've been to Laker games. I've been to Dodger World Series games. I've been to all manner of different sporting events in Los Angeles. Not one event that I have ever, ever attended for the full-throated experience of 90 minutes at an LAFC game was anything like that. So to me, that was where I was hooked. I don't think anyone knew 
that was going to play out the way it did. I mean, I think even those of us in the North End in the 3252 didn't know what the product in the stands was going to be that first game. We we had hopes, we had dreams, we had aspirations. That was my hope because it wasn't here, so there was a new opportunity for it to become that. Yeah, and, and I didn't even know that existed. Like, that was the best part for me is I walked in like, all right, I'm going to go see a soccer game. Turns out I went to go see a football match. Like, that totally different experience after you've been at the bank one time, you begin to understand this is something different than what, if you're an outsider like I was, this is something different than what most Americans have experienced soccer, football as. There hasn't been an MLS team in or around L.A. that has had a similar experience. Has no, that's but, true. but they're trying now. Have you, uh, you know, speaking uh, of Flattery our... is the best form of... Yeah, you. no, I'm fine with what that. What is it, Let's Victoria? Victoria, yeah. Victoria Lane or Block. whatever it is? Block. Victoria Block. Block. Yeah, that's... Block. Yeah. I would like to know whatever happened. I mean, no. if they ever get a new stadium and it's not on, it's not <laughs> Victoria on Victoria Beckham? Block, it's not on that street... Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> well, well, we are... in Brooklyn where he was conceived. Who knows? That could be something. Though. Yeah, and well, full disclosure, I taught Brooklyn for a couple of years at the school that I teach Who? at. Uh, Brooklyn They're Beckham. Kid. Brooklyn Beckham, yeah. Oh. Um, but okay. no, I, I think LAFC has already gone block by block. So maybe we just need to revisit Victoria Block and just, you know, let them all, rem- give them all a reminder of what true football experience is like. And, and, and you had said that one of their supporter groups is not... That, it, they, it is my understanding that the Quiet Squad will stay on their end. That is correct. Uh, and yeah. it's just yes. going to be the ABCs uh, and the Galaxians. That and there's will. one no, new and one. Yeah, there's a new there's one. There's one new one. Yeah, it cares. ends in a Z, by the way. Whatever the, Outlaws. I don't remember the name. Outlaws. Outlaws. Yeah, the Outlaws with a Z. To, to summon way, my friends to the right, it doesn't matter what your it name is. It doesn't matter what your... And by the way, <laughs> 1997 called. They said, stop ending things in a Z. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, God. I mean, they are the most 90s thing out there. <laughs> they really I mean, are. Come on. Got that cute sash across every jersey they wear, so it's fine. They were even two nineties for the nineties when they came out. I think everyone was like, "Ooh, that's a little, little two nineties." Galaxy. What about you, Christian? My old man's Eastern European. I'm first generation born in the U.S. Um, Was born in New York City, as all of you who listen to the show know. So my first love in this world was the New York Mets, and since 1986, they've been breaking my heart. Terrible. It was 1990. I was in Munich for my aunt's wedding. Off gets Deutschland, off gets. Sorry. Andreas Bremer scored a very, very big goal to defeat Argentina. West Germany became the World Cup champions in 1990. I never experienced anything quite like that. And I saw the Mets win the 1986 World Series. Yeah. Nothing was like the streets of Munich when West Germany beat Argentina in 1990. All of a sudden, I got catapulted in this completely different world. I got swept up into the madness. At that point, I'm aging myself. I was 10 years old. You're old. Yeah, I'm old. You're not that much you're like, younger than I am. Like trap ad libs over here. I if you it. guys ever want to know how old they are, you just got to find them when they're wearing their jerseys. They've got <laughs> the years they were born on them. Awesome. Very, yeah, exactly. Very, very true. Why the heck would true. anybody wear the number 80 or 83? We weren't wide receivers in high school. That's just the year we were born. I'm a wide receiver now. That's yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, oh, so, that sounded really bad. Yeah, but it really did. So go go find your older blades. But, <laughs> but anyway, so that's yeah. where I fell in love with it. 94 <laughs> came about. It was a very, very big year. Unfortunately, Germany, they weren't West Germany at that point because the country had unified, lost to Bulgaria in the quarterfinals 2-1. to one. Bulgaria, a international World Cup powerhouse. Not so much anymore. Rather comical, if you ask me. 
Yeah. But as far as I'm concerned, I mean, my love for the sport fell, fell there. I, I lived in Germany from 94 to 98, Frankfurt to be precise. Went to, at that point it was Waldstadion, now known as Commerce Bank Arena. I tracked Frankfurt and I saw a lot of matches there. In the southern side in Bavaria, my, my family was from Munich. So at that point, you know, we, we, we got to see some of that. Coming back to the U.S., I obviously had the European ties that I, I kept so closely. I tried. I, honest to God, tried with Major League Soccer. At that point, we had the Metro Stars, which later on became the New Jersey Energy Drinks, otherwise known falsely as the New York Red Bulls. Beautiful arena, horrible crowd. And I don't care if there are any Red Army fans out there, terrible, terrible stadium. Nobody goes. 4,000, 6,000, 8,000 people max. Not a very good environment. You got more people going to Shea Stadium when the Mets were awful than you had when the Red Bulls were actually really, really good. But then, 2015 comes about. NYCFC decides to have a venture. It's Manchester City's ownership group, combined with the New York Yankees. And all of a sudden, they sign three really old guys, supposedly past their prime, yeah. but old and famous enough to where it would spark your attention. David Villa, Andrea Pirlo, Woo. Frank Lampard. All of a sudden, you're like, whoa, these are names. These, if you do not know the sport, you won't know these things. But if you know the sport and you don't know these names, you've been hiding under a freaking rock. You had to see what the hubbub was about. Went to Yankee Stadium. Weird place to see a, a football match. <laughs> Still really, is. It'll always be a weird place to see a football match. But when I saw, at that point, 25, 30, 32,000 people going nuts. And yes, Yankee Stadium wasn't sold out because there was nobody in the upper deck. But it was exciting seeing that team. Went to one game, signed on for season tickets. I'm like, this is great. Hudson River Derby comes along. We had some kind of rivalry. It was exciting. But then we moved. I mean, by we, I mean the Panda and I. And then we signed on 30 days after arriving to L.A. Amanda caught the, the whiff that, you know, we put down a $50 deposit on LAFC. And boom, here we are. The rest is, is obviously history. But the ties go back to 1990. I am wearing a 1994 Jurgen Klinsmann yes. World Cup jersey that was in the U.S. I could have worn my 1991. Unfortunately, I don't fit in it as well as I used to. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, my ties go that far back. I love the game. Yeah. Ask the scarf. Anytime he's over, we're constantly watching documentaries, Copa 90 stuff, like learning about teams that we would have never known. And I thank Away Days for that. I got another jersey the other day. Don Castor Rovers Football Club. Any of you guys here ever hear of that club? Uh, yes. Don Castor yes. Rovers, yeah. All right, I'm impressed. I'm a, I'm a deep cutter. Oh, wow. All right. I'm, I'm impressed because they are a 13th place team in the third division. The fact that anybody knows about them is impressive. The only reason I know about Don Castor Rovers is from FIFA because I usually do the uh, the – my player oh, profile manager, or whatever, right, right, right. Right, right, right? And so uh, I had a player when I first started out, and I had to get. I went out on loan because when you start out, you're not very good. And I went to the Doncaster Rovers. Awesome. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> I was about That's to say, only... who's heard of them from outside of video games? <laughs> he showed me the jersey, and I was like, "That's cool. Are they as a yeah. team for My real? first jersey yeah. is '94 Dunga jersey. Nice. Oh, nice. Very nice. <laughs> well, JR, we know that your LAFC story starts with a $50 deposit and a significant other as well, too, yeah. does it not? Uh, it's with you and your lovely girlfriend, yeah, so Nina. Yeah, Nina, um, she's the soccer fan between the two of us. And what I mean when I say that is she actually worked for a semi-pro team. I think they were or are in the second division of U.S. soccer now, NPSL. 
And she was a soccer fan. And to impress her, even though we had not yet started dating, she still hadn't said yes to me yet, but I knew it would happen. It's kind of like Wayne's World when Wayne's looking at the guitar. Oh, yes, she, she will, will be, be mine. mine, right? So I knew it was going to happen, and so I put a deposit down, and that was, I forget, it was like February, January, March, somewhere around that of 2017. Nina, we think of you as a person, not as an object. I just want to throw <laughs> that out there. <laughs> and uh, I think it was actually, what, 2015? Whenever, whatever year it was that I was supposed to put it down. And... That Christmas, I gave her the season tickets as a Christmas present. Smooth. So for me, it all started with her because I knew she loved soccer, and I thought this would be a really cool way to be able to experience the sport with her, someone who I know cares about it very, very much. And Slash, you were guaranteeing that you'd see her for a season at least. I mean, right? I gave myself <laughs> at least seven or eight months of being able. Now, I locked myself into a five-year contract, but my name is the only one on the contract Okay, right so now, wait. So. Why didn't you guys do the seven-year? It wasn't an option at the time. I was one I of the first people was, to yeah. well, put my I, money I don't down. know if it's so. I, like, I don't know if I'm getting like people upset here because people I constantly see people yeah. complaining about how high the ticket prices are going and jumping and stuff like that. Because I'm I have my seats in the Figaro Club. Right, you locked I'm a, in. I'm on a seven year contract. Seven year contract. Yeah. And, so and my seven year contract, it, it like it, it, that, but that's also part of the reason why whenever. I sell my tickets to anybody. I sell them at the face value price. Like right. I don't, I don't make a single dollar on any of the tickets I've ever sold to anybody for any game. Right. Which, by the way, you're not able to even do in Founders Club. No one has paid face value for a Founders Club ticket since I've watched the team, other than for a Galaxy game or something like that. It's pretty unfortunate. But we are saying some, because they... we have, we just have some friends around us that can't make every game, and you know, season or the ticket value, face value. It's pretty expensive in Founders Club. They've never been able to get anywhere near face value for any of their tickets. It's pretty rough in Founders. Now, granted, I feel like I'm saying that as a first world problem. It's pretty rough in Founders Club being able to resell your seat. But <laughs> I've never tried to resell any of my seats. Sure. But the people that are right around us who can, you know, if you can only make five, six, seven, eight games a year, I don't feel like it makes you any less of a fan. It just makes you kind of busy on game day sometimes. Yeah. So. Uh, they're they're kind of getting killed left and right, but was she I, impressed? Going back to well, and here's the thing yeah. too: she was extremely happy that not only did we have season tickets, sure. but that it, it was a a little bit of a different deposit for the premium seats. And I told my ticket rep at the time, and by the way, I'm on my fourth ticket rep in two or three years. Wow, of I, think, being I think we all are. I think right? all of our ticket it's, reps have changed over. Yeah, the I'm times. only my second, so well, I'm fortunate. you're doing well. Yeah, I'm all fortunate. Right. Yeah, no, I've, and she's I've, great. Um, so for what was really great for us is the, the primary architect of the stadium sits five rows directly in front of me. That's cool. And so I thought, oh my God, I must be doing something. I'm on the right path because I said, look, and this was like the bougiest, most ridiculous answer that I gave my ticket rep. But I was like, I only want to sit in the aisle and I, I want to sit a little further up so I can watch the game. Like, saying that out loud makes me sound pretentious and ridiculous. But I, I knew that, look, I'm a school teacher. I teach math and Latin to middle schoolers. I coach volleyball. I run summer camps. I work year-round. And this is my disposable income, right? This is what I choose to spend my money on. It's LAFC. So I said, if I'm going to do this, I've been lucky enough to be a season ticket holder for the Dodgers in the top deck back when they were $4.50 per game, per ticket, when we went in four people on a season ticket. I've never had season tickets really for anything else other than the LA Avengers, and that was $179 for the entire season. So this was something where I said, you know what? I'm in my mid-30s, unlike some other people here on the couch, 
And I said, you know what? I <laughs> think this fired. might be time for me to just go big and decide, you He's know what? I'm going to do... I do. I have a lot more gray hair than Philly does. Early 30s. But I, I figured... <laughs> am I... Wait. Am I the youngest one in this room? I believe you are. Are you still in your 20s? No. No, okay. I just turned 32 last... Or okay. like two weeks ago. So okay. yeah, there you are. You're the youngest. Because I'm on October 32. Oh, no. Oh, Wilton. Oh, Shout out Wilton. Wilton. Wilton is 31, you said? Yeah. He, he, he even said it like he's not allowed to speak, by the way, on the episode. What do you guys yeah, he do, the, he do, us, do he to him when fingers, we're not around? The finger oh, numbers. No, we maxed out on mics. He usually has one. <laughs> Wilton does not get enough love on this pod, but no, we I, love Wilton. I, I want to start incorporating Wilton to where, uh, like, you guys, do you guys ever watch the uh, college football game day on Saturday morning? Sure. Yeah. So, the like, how, no, no, having, oh. like, Bear? Like, Bear oh, comes yeah, in yeah, and yeah. he's like, he's at a computer, but Bear, like, <laughs> like we're going to start having Wilton come in and, like, having a segment where Wilson sure Wilson, like, he's got everything in front of him. He's like the Paul Schaefer to the David Letterman <laughs> show right now, too. He could provide some serious little cuts of insight. I It'd like that. It'd be kind of funny, him coming in with like a mask on his face, the Lee Corso style when he's about to pick the winner. Of the <laughs> oh, wow. No, but you know, for me, it's this is my disposable income, right? So right. I said, I'm going to go big. I'm going to do it at Founders Club. And uh, unfortunately, some things have changed in Founders Club, so it doesn't quite feel like the premium And that's a bummer, because my, my best friend Dylan, yeah. well, because we bought tickets at the same time, and he actually had the two seats behind me at Found, uh, Figaro Club, and then he bought two seats in, in uh, Founders. Right. And he never sat in the Figaro Club seats, and so then I ended up buying his Figaro Club seats. But now, I mean, he's been... I've, I've heard firsthand all the changes that have gone on in Founders to yeah, where... Yeah, and, and you know what? Look, I, a lot of what I need to keep in perspective for everybody, too, is that your ticket reps aren't the people that are making those decisions, right? Those mm -hmm. are done in closed-door meetings, a little bit higher of a pay grade than they are. And then they come out of those meetings and they tell the ticket reps, all right, sell people on this. Make this a thing. You make this shiny and new. And it's been tough in Founders Club. But that being said, I would not trade my seats. I would not no. move anywhere in anywhere in the stadium. I would love to sit, by the way, in the 3252 for several games this season, and it's something that we have not done yet, and I know I'm, I'm two seats over from the D9U gringo sitting So full disclosure, LAO. I have tried to drag kicking yes. and screaming yes. these two guys Wait, into the You guys have edge. never been? Yeah. We've never sat in the 3252 for a home game, Correct. Really? Correct. Why? I yes. thought that you guys Why? tried it once, and that's and then after that you guys were like, no, nah, we're No, going. I would 100% do it. What I have always said is... Running a podcast makes it difficult to stand in Thank the thirty-two fifty-two <laughs> and take in all of what is going on in the game oh, and yes, fully 100%. experience thirty-two. So I agree with that. What I would, what, and I've said this on our podcast, I'll say it on your guys' podcast. Any nationally televised game where I can DVR it at home, come back in my beer-soaked you know, euphoria that will be from. You need the to talk game. to Matt Ross. You get all, YouTube TV. Yes. YouTube TV. <laughs> yeah. I have an account. Just come to Casa de Gringo after the game. You guys can watch it, and we can make this happen for you. Done. Maybe on a day game in which you still have enough time to head back to Philomonster Monster Studios and record. Done. Lovely Burbank, California. We're yeah. in. One hundred percent. Burbank, California. We'll do it. Or oh. uh, you know, to help out Jr. You know, because he's got the worst drive of all of us. You know, maybe we'll just record here one day on a day game. Okay, that yeah. works. There you go. I'm get fine. Your, get He's like well, you, two minutes you, or like one minute away. I, listen, I'm fine with going. Look, what Philly knows is he, he always says, oh, I feel so bad. You drive from Lawndale all the way to Burbank. I am one of the three or four Angelinos left in the city, and I am born and raised here in Los Angeles. I was born like 10 minutes down the road from Bank of California Stadium. 
I love driving here in Los Angeles. You're one of the what? few Angelinos that loves that driving. That loves driving here in Los Angeles. I love driving. I just hate traffic. Right. Well, that's the thing, though. I'll drive at six. Like, it, look, it took me an hour and 45 minutes sure. to get here from Lawndale. And Thank the entire you. time, I'm thinking, all right, this is not bad. I got the Laker game on the radio. I'm just kind of chilling on the road, whatever. I don't mind driving. I love seeing our city. I love driving all over. And honestly, like, I'm down. So wherever we want to record, whatever we want to do, Jonathan, I'm taking you up on that 100%. Yeah. Let's do it, man. It gives you podcast time, too. Yeah. I will but make it happen. But, you gotta you gotta at least show me you can somos del barrio and helino from start to finish though before you can come uh-huh. in. Got it. All right, rule. I like it's it. The, the, the gauntlet rule. has been thrown. It I is, like it. It is an experience though. It's I mean, it's exhausting. It is exhausting. Well, we've experienced it. We we did it in Portland, we've done it for away games, but it's nothing like the entire ninety minutes at the bank. No, I yeah. know that for sure. So that's a beautiful story as to how you guys became involved with LASC, but really, how did you guys become involved, Giggity, with each other? <laughs> okay, what's with the Giggity? Like, <laughs> oh, my family guy, come on. Man. I know, I get it. it that's uh, whatever his name is from Quagmire. Family. Quagmire, yeah, absolutely. It, it's, I mean, it's when there's some sort of innuendo. Yeah, yeah but why, throw in the, why did you, you said guys... it, He said involved, and so... So no, yeah, no, because that's part of your that's yeah, part of your no, stuff. totally. We're, it was an homage to their be, shit. right? But I'm saying, how did you guys? Like, sure, we're it's a meta homage because we're sophomore. Because because we're still children at heart. That's the thing. <laughs> we still laugh at things like fart jokes and sex jokes and it's things like that. Homage to the show, homage to Family Guy. It's exactly, a meta homage. Exactly. It's not a normal S two S move. It's just uh, you know trying to be a cross potish at this Absolutely. Point. Look, you no, one hundred percent. I get it. If not a con- and by the way, can I just say one other thing too? You guys were so nice to ask us on your 50th episode, which is a huge milestone. It's also a milestone for us, just so that you know, we've never been a guest on a podcast before. Oh. You never forget your first. So thank you guys for allowing us to be be our first uh, guest spot on a podcast. So there's, the there's to that. two stories. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 here, here, hold on. Another one. Whoa, who's empty? That's unacceptable. I mean, the so, bottle's fine. I don't need a glass. While, oh. while Jonathan fills up with this beautiful champagne that we have here, there are a couple of different stories about how we met. First of all, I actually what? met his wife, or I remember meeting his wife far before I I'm ever met. I'm already not liking where this is going. You already know where this goes. So well into six months of having our season tickets... There was an event at the old offices kind of underneath the freeway off of Figueroa for LAFC. In the cul-de-sac, yeah, exactly. of course. Yeah. And uh, Walker Pico. Zimmerman. On Pico, yes, yeah. exactly. Well, Walker Zimmerman was Which is still appearing. there, by the way. Right? It is still there. and you, that, Or at least the wing is. You can yeah, see the wing. You can wing. see the wing yeah. from the outside, right? Isn't it like a cleaning company now? It's like something totally no, random. I think too. it's like one of um, the parent, cleaning the parent company um, of... The ownership of LAFC still owns those buildings. So whatever next venture, I think, it becomes those offices. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, so there was this event, and Walker Zimmerman was going to be there. And I thought it was really cool, because I had heard of Walker Zimmerman. Now, I I had just started my relatively not-so-deep dive into LAFC, and I knew he was Team USA, and he was a young, up-and-coming defender. And I thought, that's really cool. I'm going to go get to meet Walker Zimmerman. And standing directly in front of me in line is this blonde with a Walker Zimmerman jersey. And I remember meeting her and going, that's kind of neat. She came prepared. She has an actual LAFC white Walker Zimmerman jersey. And so we started talking for a minute. And I was there for about, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes or so in line. And I remember her taking a picture. And I think, actually, I was the one that took the picture, if she still has one, of her and Walker on her phone. And then I took a picture of you two. But we really didn't get to talking. But what's crazy to me is I remembered her when we met in Founders Club, like, 
almost six, seven, eight months later when it came time for our first season. And so we met and we were talking and that's when I really kind of came to know Christian. So we met then, but then after that, Philly, it, it turns out we didn't realize we were kindred spirits until the season started. No, not at all. I remember being at that Walker Zimmerman. <laughs> oh my God. I didn't mean that in a derogatory way. I mean, that Walker Zimmerman event. I felt zero chemistry. <laughs> no, if you feel no, zero chemistry. Not here, at all. Quick, say your line. <laughs> no, it's interesting how it happened. Because obviously, like, J JR, and I'm not going to talk about it from the character perspective. Because, quite honestly, and we're going to get into that momentarily, there is a difference between Philly and the Scarf and JR and Christian. So obviously we went in there without there being a Philly in the scarf. So yes, Amanda was there wearing her Walker Zimmerman jersey. We were on vacation when they announced the very first jersey launch. And for whatever reason, we decided that Zimmerman would be the guy whose jersey we would get. So I got the black one, Amanda got the white one. And we went to the event. It was really cool. JR was there. And yes, I definitely remember him. For the simple fact that he was the most outgoing, vocal, and friendly individual there. So, everybody knows us, but I'm not the outgoing, friendly individual. It's really JR. Philly is the, uh, very friendly and outgoing, but Christian is more laid back, judgmental, and reserved. Why are you talking about yourself in the third person? <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and the first, first person. First no, no, person he's expressing the difference between himself and the character. Oh, yeah. there, there legitimately is a difference. I mean, what I do as a profession, if the other version of me did that as a profession, it wouldn't work very well. But yeah, we, met, they, we originally met that day. Then fast forward, the very first game of the season. Oddly enough, looking back at my photo archives, JR and Nina are there without us really getting to know each other. I would say it was probably the second or the third game where we actually started having conversations. And where JR and I really hit it off was something very, very simple <laughs> and something very, very foreign. It was the best. We both found out that we were Mets fans. Now, it's very easy for me. I'm from Queens. I grew up 10 minutes away from Shea. I could literally ride my bike to Shea if I really wanted to. And then get it stolen. And then get it stolen, like our canopy. I'm sorry, I'm still a little bitter about that. But, but when JR expressed his love for the Mets, look, it's not stylish, nor is it cool to be a Mets fan. It's definitely not cool. It's not cool. Definitely not Yankee cool. Yankee hats are more prevalent. If you're a Mets fan, you, you're a sadomasochist, as well as a Jets and an Islander fan, which I am, and a Knicks fan, which I am all of the above. But as the season progressed... JR and I started getting to know each other, and we started becoming really, really good friends to the point where, like, I would look for him, and at some point I know he would look for me, and we developed a really, really fast relationship. A lot of people think that Can JR you? and I grew up together. That's not the case. Yeah. We, we, we met at the stadium. In, in, in like almost two years ago, you're we grown. You're grown ups together. Uh, we absolutely. And the other thing too is that you know Nina and Amanda became friends. And that really pushed forward our friendship. And yeah, if it wasn't for them, I don't think I'd like you. No, I mean that's that's <laughs> the kid, funny. No, but that's the funny part. Like Nina, and hopefully she won't be upset with me saying this, but Nina doesn't make a ton of friends easily. And yet, as soon as she met Amanda, as soon as she met Amanda, four seconds into their first conversation, you could see right away, like, oh man, these two are going to get along 
forever, like for a long time. And that's when I said, well, you know what? Maybe I'll give this Philly guy a chance. You know, these East Coasters are kind of Christian. Tough. There was no Philly but at that That's point. true. That's true. So, you know, what was so much fun is that what happened maybe eight or nine games in, we had been talking and we had been, it was definitely Christian's idea to first do a podcast. He was the one that was like, dude, we should talk about this. We should do it. And for the second half of the season, I was like, eh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I was the one hemming and hawing over everything. But about eight or nine games in, we had this thing where, you know, we were big fans of Tyler Miller. I'm still on Team Tyler. I know there's a lot of so stuff going on with the Pablo situation and, and more to come on that hopefully before the end of the season. But I was a huge Tyler Miller fan, and, and I turned to Philly, and after a save, he goes, Tyler! And I yell out, Miller! And it just became this thing where we were like playing off of each other. But eight or nine games in, this ball ricochets off the goalpost. Nothing to do with Tyler Miller or any other act of nature. It was just, there was a piece of metal in the way and that's why it didn't go in the back of the goal. And I hear him from the top yell out, goal! And without even thinking, I go, post! And that's what I knew. That's when I knew I was like, all right, this guy's not so bad. We're, We're in this. And we... Uh, but a couple games later... Did you guys have that bromance moment at that moment where you like looked Close. and then time slowed down? And <laughs> well, then, they like... say there were angels, but there were, there were falcons flying in oh. the air. It wasn't quite angels. And, you know, dun, there was dun, dun, definitely dun, dun. some sort of like John Cicada song or something in the background. Yeah. I've been waiting. I'd like to anyway. think... A different perspective. Hold on. No, I know, I know, I know, I know. no but honestly, like it, it's it's been so much fun to hear from people that listen to our show about like, dude, how long have you guys known each other? Did you guys grow up together? What did you guys do? We met like week three or week four of the inaugural season yeah. of LAFC, and to to us, and I have a feeling you guys will ask a question about this a little bit later at the end of your podcast, but it's so important the the family that the LAFC community has become. And, you know, we talk about it all the time with you guys, too, on, on Christmas Tree Lane or in the stadium or, you know, just sharing little moments on the LAFC fans' Facebook page or things like that where it's it's literally our cathedral that we worship in on Saturdays and Sundays. It's, it's the first church of the black and gold. You know, we talk about this understanding that, yes, we have a lot of, of Roman Catholic and Christian fans here in our in our midst, but we don't mean it sacrilegiously we mean it as a term of respect this is where we all go to commune as a family and and that's what means so much to being part of this community and doing this podcast but honestly there's no better example to me than the friendship i have with the guy sitting to my left so you guys have established that you guys are different than the characters on the show so what goes into the preparation and the creation of each episode how much Philly has had to drink? Um, he, he, he's not wrong. So, like, <laughs> as, as, as off the wall as the Philly character is, the, the guy behind that is actually rather meticulous, very cerebral, and actually assesses risk for a living, which is kind of <laughs> the exact opposite of what, you of, do at the of, bank. of what I do. So, clearly, people that know me, they want to drink out of a shoe anytime they see me. And, yeah, I'll, I'll admit, I created that character not necessarily wanting to it was more like a, a, a fun thing that i learned while like traveling australia but swashbuckling sensei of the shoey does have a nice ring to it no it definitely does <laughs> and I was, i'm a storyteller i was in a rock band to me like the 
the way I like to describe our show is we're your your Z your Z morning zoo. You go on the highway on a Monday or a Tuesday, and you want a radio show with characters. Like you listen to like one of the radio shows, Frosty, Heidi, and whatever. That guy's name wasn't frosty when he was born my name wasn't philly when i was born his name isn't scarf when he was born so we we ended up creating these characters out of fun and they're definitely for me in, in particular it's it's a far cry from who i am the real christian is very cynical very judgmental and, and to a lot of a character who i don't necessarily care for philly is more along the lines of who i'd prefer to be carefree social happy-go-lucky but with what I do for a career, I manage people's money for a living. Philly could not manage somebody's money because that person whose money Philly could be managing wouldn't necessarily appreciate the fact that their financial advisor drinks out of a freaking shoe. And <laughs> that's where Christian comes along. Christian is the more subdued, serious, cynical, introverted character. So Philly is the offset of who I am when I just want to like let go and, and, and have fun. So what was the ideation in creating the character? Was there any <laughs> right. thought put into so, it? No, here, 97.1! No, yeah, no joke. <laughs> I, I came fun. up with the idea because of another Family Guy skit. There was a Family Guy skit. God, do we about everything this, off Family Guy? I mean, a little bit. But there was this Family Guy skit about this fictional radio show called Weenie and the Butt. And in my mind, all I thought was... We need something kind of catchy, right? Because at the time when we started, by the way, shout outs to the godfathers of LAFC podcasting. There really was only Heart of LAFC for quite Somos a long LAFC time. Too. Yeah. Somos LAFC, but yeah. uh, this might surprise any of you. I don't know Spanish, so I didn't listen to much Spanish podcasting Same here. back then. Oh, and yeah, Dale, Dale Black and Gold. Yeah. Yeah, hey. but but Jerry and Joseph are the godfathers of LAFC podcasting. In English, yeah. They we're, okay. You guys are celebrating fifty episodes. We just we're celebrating one year. This guy's later did one twenty last night. Yeah, yeah, these guys are celebrating five years. Five years, right? We're five? one at seventy two. Yeah, but but the episode count doesn't matter. These guys have been doing it for five years. Amazing. They they had this idea yeah. way early on, and at the time we needed something to differentiate ourselves, and I, I firmly believed that we weren't going to be able to encroach upon their gravitas of being first out of the gate and longest doing it, right? So we needed something to set ourselves apart. And yep. what I will say about the Scarf character is this. Number one, if you know why I am the Scarf, there are, are two reasons. The one, and, and I think is kind of blown a little bit more out of proportion, yes, I do have about 110 different LAFC scarves in my collection. Different LAFC scarves. And I think I, I have probably a larger collection of LAFC scarves than anybody who doesn't work for LAFC. Because I found out they have a couple from the concerts that I didn't even know about, by the way. And I'm super jealous about those. But anyway, that doesn't matter. But what I think really you know the right people. tipped it off for me was when they came to me, and shout out to our buddy Alex Sale, at Alex for Sale. He went to Indiana. He went to Indiana. He came to me at the end of last season after the unfortunate loss against Real Salt Lake. And he said, hey, how would you feel? about being able to design your own scarf for the team. And what Major League Soccer did that year meant the world to me. They tied it in with childhood cancer research and funding. And if every picture you took with any scarf from your football soccer team, they donated $5 towards the Cancer Research Foundation, the Children's Oncology Fund. And to me, I'm a teacher. And... For those of you that have heard on our podcast or wherever, look, I have to be a little bit more subdued. 
Number one, I teach a lot of kids whose families are involved with AEG and the Galaxy. So there's only so much that I can say disparaging or not about anything having to do with the Galaxy. I taught Brooklyn Beckham. David, Throughout the entire first season of LAFC, did you not? He was still, yes. yeah. Yeah, so, well, no, no, no. So I didn't teach Brooklyn then, but I taught Brooklyn through several years of his middle schooling and found, by the way, David to be one of the nicest humans I've ever met in my entire life. Really great guy, but I've taught several families that are involved in the administration of AEG, as such, Galaxy and everything. So I've always come at it with a little bit more of a conservative point of view, especially in how I'll talk about Carson's team. But you will notice I will never call them the Los Angeles Galaxy or the LA Galaxy. They are Carson's Galaxy, which is fine. You mean or, the LA Fallacy. Right. So that's he'll do that. I won't do that. But this being said, for 20 years, I've run children's soccer leagues for the city of Los Angeles. And what a lot of people don't know is it's four and five and six and seven and eight-year-old soccer. I have done play-by-play. Like, literally what Max does for all the games, into a microphone, into speaker systems, so that while the kids are playing the game, they will hear something like, and there goes Johnny down the side and makes a beautiful centering pass to Nikki, and Nikki, the, the pass to Jane, and Jane shoots, she scores! And this is a four- or a five-year-old. Do you do the goal? I have in the past, yeah, absolutely. Do you go, yeah! And, and to me, it's something yeah, where... Yeah. I, and it's so funny because sometimes these little five and six year olds, they would stop because they hear their name in the middle of the game like, no, 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 keep playing. That's all right. Go, 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 go. And to me, I am living that childhood dream, watching Keith Olbermann and Dan Patrick on SportsCenter, growing up listening to Vin Scully, Chick Hearn, the, the icons of not just Los Angeles sports, but of sports in general. And here I am now sitting here at almost 37 being able to talk about sports, talk about LAFC, a team that I didn't know I loved until the minute that I stepped inside Bank of California Stadium, and now I couldn't imagine doing anything else. For me, the scarf persona is a combination of, oh my God, I get to talk about LAFC for fun on the side, and I get to live out this dream of always wanting to have been the next Dan Patrick, Keith Oman. Then I realized... It's way more fun just being a scarf. And and that's kind of how this all came to be. Well, that's a cool origin story there. I, I mean, I think many times people think that you are Philly and you are the scarf in your real lives. I don't think people connect the dots between <laughs> JR and Christian being real people that have real well, I mean, jobs. You yeah. know, that's, I mean, the same for even me, right? Like, I know you guys more on a personal level than maybe others, especially sure. some of your listeners. But it's like, I, I just assume that, it was nicknames that you gave yourselves or that you, you know, not necessarily a persona. I thought it was just like, you know, hey, this is JR or the scarf. No difference. Hey, this is Philly or Christian. No difference, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing that that's done for the two of us, too, uh, we had a 10-year-old girl walk up to us at, in the middle of the season, this last season. And she said, you know, I just, I love listening to you guys. Can I take a picture? Can I take a picture? And I turned to Philly and I was like, dude, we have 10-year-olds listening to our podcast like mm -hmm. those yeah, are my students my right like like i teach middle school and a bunch of my middle schoolers give me a hard time because they know that i co-host a podcast you know and about lafc and everything else and to me there's also that responsibility and burden of understanding that you could have 10 year olds listening to your podcast and i know 
you guys have the same philosophy where you want anybody to be yes. able to Family. access and enjoy your podcast. And and not all the podcasts are like that. Not all the podcasts should be like that. Look, there are a lot of great rated R movies and a lot of great rated G movies out there, right? So life there's isn't something that way. for everybody. Look, yeah, life Frozen isn't that gets way. in my head all the time. Let it go. Look, there's still time before I'm driving <laughs> and I sing that. Yeah. But that's, Which is funny because I think I watch more like R&G than I watch PG. Any PG, PG right? 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 Unless you're watching like 80s PG movies and then you realize that's an R-rated movie, but they just made it in 1984, so it's not that bad. It's a different time. But but I feel that the, our, our two podcasts, not in particular, but just in general, kind of understand that responsibility that it means the world to us that a 10-year-old yeah. and a 40-year-old stuck in traffic can both enjoy what we do kind of in the same vein. And, and so for me, the being a teacher, the, the working with children since I was 13 years old, that's always in the back of my mind as Scarf or as JR when I'm putting anything out there into the airwaves so that, you know, no. uh, God forbid some alien civilization takes over and, and a thousand years later they have to hear my voice on like some sort of podcast. <laughs> I don't want them going, wow, was that Andrew Dice Clay or was that JR? Hey, different. but speaking of the concept of family friendly, you have both chosen to involve your entire familial units in the podcast itself. So, Describe the decision to bring your significant others in and how they're involved Wait. in the pod as... No, no. Before you even describe that, how did you convince them? Because I'm trying to work on my wife to get her, you know, <laughs> a little bit more, you know. I, I... And, and, and I will say this before, Philly, I think you should answer this question, but... Sure. I think <laughs> the chemistry in the room is palpable. I, Philly, I think what we both realize is how extraordinarily lucky we are to... Not just be supported by our significant others, but be kind of pushed forward sometimes, too, by them. I'm blessed in a lot of ways. Um, my past life is very... It's not pretty much what I'm living right now in the sense that like, I was a certain individual then when my, when my wife fell in love with me. And I'm a certain individual now, which, you know, Christian, we're not talking about Philly. Christian is an individual who I, you know, I'm having a, an interesting time accepting. And we're talking about the fact that my wife fell in love with a guy who was in a band who was, like, full of, like, life and zest and, like, you know, sc screw the establishment, all this other stuff. I'm old! I'm the oldest guy <laughs> in the pod fam. Other than Max Bredos, I am probably the second oldest guy in the pod fam. And that's fine. I, I, I will admit that. But, like, all my life I spent training. I, I was an athlete. I hung out with athletes. I've only been interested in athletes. I dated one girl who wasn't involved or interested in sports, and it was a nightmare. <laughs> when I oh met Amanda, God. when I met Amanda, Amanda and I clicked on so many levels, <laughs> athletically, musically, and in so many ways. And so my passion is music, and my passion is sports. And Amanda really complimented me on so many levels. I could never. This is me personally. I'm not saying about anybody else. I can never be with anybody who doesn't have or share the same passions that I do. Amanda and I, what we do for fun is we go to sporting events and we go to concerts and we talk about it and we critique it. That's where we evolved from. And I couldn't be with anybody who isn't involved or who loves sports. And the fact that she does, it means a lot. I got her into the wonderful world of football. Oddly enough, as beautiful and as attractive as she is, she wanted to intrigue me, impress me, 
and she followed the 2014 World Cup. She knew at that point that I was absolutely and utterly obsessed with the world's game. And of course, I followed Germany, and Germany won the World Cup in 2014. Andreas oh, Schürrle, assist to Mario Goetze. Sorry, Lionel Messi. Deutschland won that year. I went nuts. I was in Brazil. That was that's pretty awesome <laughs> because obviously that's where the World Cup took place. I've made the Mecca to the museum in Dortmund and seen the shoe that kicked that goal oh. and seen the ball oh, that awesome. went in. I mean, I mean, it's incredible. Oh. Like, Super Mario. That's I mean, yeah, awesome. to me, Andreas Brema scoring against Argentina and Mario Goetze scoring against Argentina, as far as my love and fascination for the world's game, it all boils down to Germany beating Argentina. And that's really it. And Amanda <laughs> ended up falling in love with the sport because of my passion for it. And so... I guess to answer your question in, in a weird roundabout way, like I don't think I could ever spend my time personally with somebody who didn't love the world's game because I spend so much of my life focusing on sports, talking about sports, hanging out with people who love sports. To be with somebody who didn't like sports, I just, I just personally, and not to say that you know it's it's how everybody should live their life, but. I, I just couldn't do it. At okay. what point did it translate into like the podcasting? Yeah, because both Nina and Amanda have taken on pod personalities themselves. Yeah, no, you should definitely. Let, let, let me that. get this. So it's very you simple. definitely pushed more than I did. For All that. right, so this is basically how it happened. Why it became a family affair is as follows JR, being the teacher that he is, brought his class to Peru, to Machu Picchu. Lord knows, everybody in this room would have loved to have been a student who takes a class trip to Machu Picchu. Sure. My class trips when I was in middle school was to go to the Bronx. Well, school hey, of well you don't go. You didn't go to school in West LA. Like. <laughs> Beautiful Culver City, California. No, originally I didn't, but I was fortunate enough to go to school in Frankfurt, Germany, and I did see a lot of amazing things myself. However, however, when not Machu Picchu though. No, no, not Machu Picchu. So Jr. was away. And we felt the need to continue to like have the podcast go. I remember so that episode, yeah. I coerced Amanda and Nina to help me do the show because there's going to be a large void to fill. JR is a phenomenal co-host. I would not do Defenders of the Bank without him. I do my own podcast with something else, but Defenders of the Bank is him and I. It, it can't work any other way. And that was also during the Women's World Cup, right? It was before that. Just oh, before. It was yeah, before okay. that. So oddly enough, for the longest time, and the girls definitely like made fun of this fact, we had no episode that was viewed as much as the episode that I did with Amanda. Very and true. And and Alicia, by the way, and and shout out to Alicia Rodriguez. Oh, this is a really, travesty. Really oh, frustrating so stuff. Angels on Parade, amongst other, by the way, fan sites for California soccer team horse poop this they, whole shebang. they're shutting down Vox, because dude. of this general assembly bill that just came through and it's it's, it's pretty horse. terrible but alicia was the one that pointed out that no other lafc podcast at the time and, and there was like three or four of us so it's not like there was a plethora to choose from but no other podcast had employed female co-hosts and i thought oh, that was kind of cool we didn't even know that we were doing that but when we say that it was our most listened to podcast it was for it a was while. by like Hundreds of listens. We hit four figures right off the bat, which that, we didn't. And we before. were blown away. We were like, "Wait a minute, they they like them more than they like us." And we thought about firing the scarf at one point. I know, right? I was, <laughs> was going to be out of a job, but honestly, the girls took to it pretty well. They were super nervous. I, I talked to Nina in, via text message while right before she was about to do it, but it, it was definitely all Philly. And then from there on, it kind of morphed into our friend Amy. 
hearing that episode and us becoming friends with with Amy and Center Midchicks was kind of born out of that in the lead up to and the want to bring attention to the women's beautiful game. And look, it helps that we had and still have the most dominant team in the world when it comes to the women's game. But there is so much to talk about that isn't brought up in the women's game of football, soccer. And so they decided, you know what, let's let's scratch that itch. Let's let's start filling a very niche market, but one that's completely untapped. By the way, if you want to hear more about Center Mid Chicks, yes. please focus on episode 34 of Shoulder to Shoulder podcast released on yeah. August 27th. Yeah, we, we interviewed yes. And I even said in that episode, I feel like Center Mid Chicks in the future will be a more popular show than all of ours combined. Totally. Because totally. they cover all of the women's... And- and no one's doing it. No, like if you right. look like amongst the the landscape of women's soccer football podcasts, there are some that cover the global game. There are some that cover the the Premier League that's starting and all these other things. But these women are covering not just Team USA, not just the potential of NWSL coming to Los Angeles, but NWSL as a whole, but also. They're going to throw in things about NCAA women's soccer. They're going to throw in things about the world women's game. And there just aren't many podcasts doing that. And to us, I mean, we joke about it all the time. They're, you're absolutely right. We think they're, they're not only going to be bigger they're than us, be huge. but they're more important. There are, what, 200 MLS podcasts out there amongst all the different 29, 30 teams now. How many podcasts are there about women's soccer in general? They, they might be the only one, at least one of the more predominant ones out there. And they've released, what, five, six episodes? So uh, we're super excited and yet realize that we're going to be one day recording in their shadow. So that's fine. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's, it's like I said, I, I think that it all comes from good things. And, that, you know, we're all we're all associated with it, right? Definitely. Like, that it is part of all the LAFC family. We all are here to support and stuff, and it's just, it's, uh, I mean, it, it's great. It's great to see where they're going to go. Yeah. So do you guys collaborate on the creative process when you assemble the creative material to put together a Defenders of the Bank podcast? Is that something that Center Midchicks have, you know, do you guys, you know, sort of share notes in that respect between you and your respective significant others? Do you, you allow them your space and occupy your own? What's the creative process like for you guys, and how does that differ from your significant others? It's funny. Amanda definitely takes after me in the sense that she's probably the most inebriated character when Center Midships <laughs> records. So I will say the individual who definitely does their homework, Nina is amazing. And I, I will tell you this, like from the first time that I had the honor of being in the same room as both her and Amanda, Nina blew my mind. I had no idea that she had the pedigree that she did. And quite honestly, like I... She's sneaky smart. She's so sneaky smart, and, and I love that. She's a but tactician. She's very much a tactician. But Amanda is too. Amanda's very cerebral. But for some reason or another she's adopted and I, i'm not going to claim any honor to this she has her own character but she's claimed like the philly character in the sense that she's <laughs> the one that drinks the most and makes like the witty the, the, the comments and 
It, I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful show. I love how organically it, it was created. Did you it, indirectly compliment yourself? I mean, it, I, no. I mean, I'll tell you what. Like, she spends an awful lot of time with me, and she knows how much I love the game. And you look, I'll, I'm not taking any credit for anything that they've done because what they've done has been on their own. The only reason... Of course. The only thing I'll take credit for is the fact that, like, we identified the fact that people wanted to hear the girls speak. And we were like, yeah. you need to continue to do this more. Yeah, so I will say... I had the voice. We had the voice in pushing that because they did not feel comfortable nor did they feel confident initially. And they ended up taking it and running with it. And I love that show. I love that it's separate. I, we had their very first pilot episode on our platform, but they're their own entity. Yeah. I don't ever want Center Midchicks and the listeners out there to ever think that Center Midchicks is a byproduct off Defenders of the Bank. Center Midchicks is their own beautiful organic podcast. And as JR said earlier, we definitely feel that they're going to be bigger and better and badder than we can possibly be. Sure. And the other thing is this. We've, by the way, never had anything to do with any episode of theirs. They've written their own questions. They've yes, done their own. Correct. Everything is theirs. In fact, the only time that any one of us has had or tried to have anything to do with the podcast, I designed a logo that I thought would be perfect for Center Mid Chicks, and I presented it to them, and they promptly said, that's really cute, but no, we're good. So I realized very, very early on, number one, they've got their own vision, which to me is just as important <coughs> as, as anything else, but... To answer your question about how collaborative it gets, first of all, obviously, we don't collaborate with them. They're, they're their own, no, that, and, that, and we are their own. own. Yes. But we do, during the course of the game, if you see us, we will be on our phones, taking notes, writing things down, making observations throughout the entire course of the game, and then we'll get back to uh, world-famous Philemon Studios in beautiful downtown Burbank, California, and <laughs> we will then compare our notes and talk about, oh, well, you wrote that. Okay, cool. I think we should talk about this. And then we'll sit for at least a half hour to an hour before we even record and pour ourselves usually a glass of scotch or have a little shot of mezcal or something and then kind of begin that creative process. But usually about an hour to an hour and a half in, we're ready to roll in terms of, all right, so we're going to talk about this and you're going to talk about this and we're going to talk about this. Philly likes to have a lot more of his words scripted a lot of the intros, and Jonathan, again, the homage that you wrote, the Dynamite. Shakespearean Edgar Allan Poe hire you. Uh, intro that you I did. Well, he's, he's, had, he's probably had weeks to prep this one. That's no, okay. No. Literally, Christian and I had this conversation. I wrote that in the car on my drive from Mandy's to the restaurant wow. where we met yeah. for our pre-pod. I was blown away uh, Wow. So what we're saying is you're hired. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you do your LAFC history, I mean, right? And, and we'll do our like LAFC like, poetry. Like, that came yeah. together. That was incredible. Our intro soliloquies. I know, that, right? That was um, that was on wow, the yes. drive from Granada Hills to Reseda, like literally a half hour before we met up. That was anybody else here play guitar? That that was I know, uh, right? So you and I, that, you and I, pod fam musicians. That was impressive, but also kind of dangerous unless you're using the text to talk feature. But that's okay. Well, he um, did say I was Schmitty's Sultan, which as much as I. I loved hearing and that. I am Schmitty. And one quick thing: Schmitty is, is the only person who's That's ever been only able. Note, well, he, he's been—he's the only living creature that has ever been able to get us out of the studio. God, when Schmitty poops inside that little thing, we literally can't record for a half he, hour he at a time. He needs his litter box, it's not the microphone. So bad. Anyways, but does the Sultan wow. serve the people, or do the people serve the Sultan? 
I suppose that's the greater question. I, mean, I right? serve Schmitty. Schmitty, so yeah, let's I was gonna say Schmitty way. rules the roost, and the Sultan serves the people. Let's go right? Now. right? <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. so what I think, you know, Philly likes to have a lot more of a stuff scripted, whereas yeah, I'll have do. bullet point after bullet point after bullet point, and then kind of expound on it from there. But he he's definitely more comfortable having a lot of what he says scripted. So sometimes it can be a little difficult going from you know what he has scripted on his page and the bullet points I have for my kind of making it work from there, but. That's why we don't record anything live. No, we, the, but, we edit everything that we do. But the chemistry between the two of us is actually quite brilliant because even though like I like to script a lot of like the like the stupid stuff I have to say, he Jr. and the scarf, both characters, like to pick up on it in a, in a really beautiful way. And as crazy as Philly is, Jr. definitely keeps Philly on track. We have opposite characters. It, it, it's a fun thing. There is no creative process. Quite honestly, we go into the podcast 20, 30 minutes beforehand. We listen to a bunch of Motley Crue. We take a bunch of shots. <laughs> we share notes. And I read his notes. He reads my notes. Sometimes we don't wait. do either of the two. And we just go forward wait. with it. I, I wait, have a wait a second. They literally listen to Motley Crue before every recording. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on. This, top, this, this is all him. He is Jonathan's the, he is the giant Motley Crue fan. <laughs> I, I have I'm to say, sorry. as the you only person here, really younger than I am, I've been a guest yes. of both of these shows, and so I've seen both processes play out here, right? And I have to say, the most awkward moment in all of my podcasting was not my fear and inhibition and anxiety prior to my first guest appearance <laughs> on this show. It was watching two grown men listen to Motley Crue and get pumped. I felt the most fish out of water in that <laughs> oh one moment than I anything mean... else. So, like, Molly Crew's not my jam, right? And, and it's definitely, <laughs> I feel like it's definitely before. I don't know, 100 my... million records would say otherwise. It's good. Is that right? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. So, Two of those bought by me. So, okay. So, you listen to Molly Crew's songs. Yep. You take some shots. Yep. And you get amped. Yep. Well, here it's first all... they write. First and by they the way, write. El Catrín Marto is the one that introduced us Mezcal. to El Silencio Mezcal. Episode uh-huh. six. Yeah, I have Mezcal here, by the way. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, since well, then, what, why are you holding out? Let's go take some I shots. I didn't know. Since we Let's had him on, it's been our tradition to take a shot of El Silencio Mezcal so before I, every podcast. I, I do think that them prepping for a show reminds me exactly what takes place in a WWE green room. No, you're, you're, you're right. To us, it's 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 a show. We, we aren't our characters. We go on board as like completely different people than how we walk the face of the earth. And I like that. Why are you getting I, angry? I, I, I did, angry? I'm not I did. angry. It's, it's called being New York. He's, he's excited, defending my passion. If, if, passion. You, if you passion. rewind back to the beginning of this episode, I did not call you our headbanging hermanos. I did call you our hairband hermanos. Yes. So that, that, that is definitely... We, we uh, have that in us. Oh, my and I love that part. Look, I was in a band. I like to make things a spectacle. I like to make things a show. Because quite honestly, if people are willing to listen to us, to spend <laughs> 35 to 45 to 105 minutes listening to us, I want to be as entertaining as possible. If I'm speaking in a monotone voice, I would lull myself to sleep. I want to have a character. I want my co-host to have a character. I want us to like be as entertaining as possible. And if this is the way we do it, this is the way we do it. This I think we way. just saw the Philly come out right there. <laughs> right, uh, right. Yeah, that was that was it. It's right. so funny to see you switch. You do <laughs> freely switch back and forth between yourself and character. I love it because now we can sort of like meta look at it through the yeah, fourth oh, yeah. wall. Right. This is great. Right. Now, never again will I ever think that Philly and Christian are the same person. <laughs> no, they're really not. I'm, I'm telling not, you, there's I'm not a trying big to do difference that on between him and Philly. No, we've seen your split personality disorder. 
play itself out here tonight. Is I don't it? take pride in it. It's just what happens. That's okay. Nobody all... wants to listen to Christian, so, but Philly is entertaining. So let me ask you guys, right? So yeah. you guys, as defenders of the bank, you guys definitely have, especially because we all, we at Shoulder to Shoulder and you at Defenders, we all started the, around the same time. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you guys have definitely gone on a trajectory that is more recognized and it's faster, right? And that's, I mean, g- good on you. Sure. Right? Your participation in the community right. has been unparalleled within the pod fam. And, and, and no one would no one would argue that. No. And, and, and nobody's sitting here either and being like, uh, you know, talking bad about it. That's great because you're in the community, you're helping the community. And so with everything that you've been involved in, yeah. what is your favorite moments? As a not as a fan of LAFC, sure. more so as a defenders of the bank, you know, so association. For me, it all stems from seeing how closely aligned LAFC and the 3252 are with what has been not just our core philosophy at Defenders, but something that I've pushed from really minute one is if we can make a difference and an impact in the community to do so. So to be at the 99 cent store toy drive, to be present for a lot of the other fundraisers that they've done, to later on in the offseason, we'll have sticks on promoting his Think Watts Foundation. We've created the black and gold version of the Watts Tower pin that will be helping to fundraise for Think Watts Foundation. To be able to have a platform where whether it's people buying scarves to take pictures to raise money to kick childhood cancer or people buying a pin to raise money for Think Watts Foundation, people showing up and dropping toys into a bucket or whatever it might be, for us to be able to share in the responsibility of having the platform and being able to do good things with it as a teacher, as someone who's worked with kids for forever, and as just someone who looks at the world and says, well, if you have this ability, why not do it as often as you can? That's why we've done things like you know, we created the pin for childhood cancer and for breast cancer, and, and we've done other fundraisers. The favorite part of us as defenders of the bank being part of not just podcast family, the LAFC pod fam, but as part of this larger black and gold community has been the ability to make an impact in so many other ways. And you, Christian? A life is only important in the impact it has on other Absolutely. lives. Absolutely. That's that Mother Ter- is that Jackie Robinson, right? Yeah. Jackie Robinson said, that. "Dude, it's been fun all across the board." I mean, I, there's there are moments in which, like, I felt really happy doing what we're doing. It, I'll tell you what. I'm going to talk about something more recent, uh, and it's I'm not going to call it like a BS answer, but like our canopy got stolen, and. The majority of the show, I've been, like, you know, percolating in my own, like, little, like, Philly corner. Because, yeah, I've been angry at the fact that, like, my property got violated. But I'll tell you this. Whatever we have done, the fact that so many people, like, upon us posting, hey, keep an eye out. If you happen to see our tent, let us know. The fact that so many people, you know, commented on our post, direct messaged us, Text messaged us. I don't know what it is that we did. We love LAFC and we love the club and we just have been basically talking about our love for the club and what we have seen. It blows my mind that we've impacted so many people. I'm, I'm not going to lie. You said like our, our upward trajectory was, you know, what, what it was. 
I, I can't tell you exactly why. I, I don't know exactly why, but the fact that it is so makes me very appreciative of those that actually listen to us. Like, we love what we do, and the response that we've gotten has been incredible. Again, we have not been in a situation where we've been at a disadvantage. Our canopy getting stolen has been something that's honestly like put us at like a at a disadvantage but the fact that so many people reached out to us and and have been supportive of spreading the word and all that other stuff that that to me is my favorite moment because look we could talk all we want we could report all we want but you said it and jackie robinson said it you know the fact that like people have been so on board with you know us and like what we have done and the fact that they actually just want to help us it, it really really means a lot I, I just want to mention one other thing too we geek out all the time about what we do the first time i don't know if we were even 30 episodes in i posted something about don newcomb mm -hmm. on our instagram and kevin and bean the official kevin and bean instagram liked our post respect to them i took a Carson photo fans. of that i saved it as like one of my pictures on my phone right now, born and raised Angelino, Kevin and Bean is huge. I'm so huge. bummed. You know, Bean just left the yeah, show. Sure, they've been around 30 years. That's how my mother knows about things like Rage Against the Machine and Smashing Pumpkins, sure. right? That's like funny. my mother, who by the way, it, God bless her, her favorite bands are Josh Groban, uh, Bette Midler, and Bob Marley. Like I love my mother. She's the most eclectically musical yes. person I know and yet every time Smashing Pumpkins I remember them right that's that smashing band right that you were talking about. I love the fact that because Kevin and Bean uh, and I listened to them in 1997 when I was in 8th grade you know that's why my mother knows about it. when they liked a photo that I put up of Don Newcomb when Mark Anthony Kay for the first time liked one of our photos when yeah. Latif Blessing liked one of our photos for me when I look on our feed and, and Philly will often see it before I do. I'm teaching throughout the day, and we'll put up something, and Philly will text, dude, check out the like. And it'll be a Latif, or it'll be a Mark Anthony K or a Jordan Harvey. Yeah. We are like little schoolboys no, when it comes to freaking out about we, that stuff We still. just had that same moment, too. I mean, we feel the same way we geek out when we uh, announced that we were playing uh, Miami. Yeah. I said, and we're going to have a welcome, and, and it'll be a welcome back for Lee Wynn. And you yeah. posted about that. I remember and, that. Yeah. And Lee liked. Yeah. That Lee liked our, th and it's like, dude, that's that's awesome. That's Lee you know? Wynn, right? Yeah. Like, that's to me, when you talk about, like, you know, our favorite moments or everything, right? Uh, I think we're all on the same page. It's those little moments, like yes. the breadcrumb trail that you lead to get to the next big thing. Can I say my favorite Defenders moment? Yes, please. So my favorite <laughs> Defenders moment, I'm sitting in the car with Mandy and we're driving and we were listening to a podcast and that podcast ended and it immediately went to the next podcast in the queue and it was Defenders and the intro cues and then all of a sudden it's the hello and welcome and you two introduce yourself and Mandy brights up and looks at me and goes, yay, my friends. Oh, okay. It there's, by the way, if you haven't met Mandy, there's something about her smile that when we've been lucky enough to hang out with Jonathan several times on Christmas Tree Lane or in the stadium, and there were times where she was in a wheelchair, and Jonathan would wheel her over, and she would look up and, and the smile, right? And I want you to know, when you said that, all I thought about was Mandy's smile. And, you know, we've talked about her on our podcast, about how much of an inspiration she is to us, and... 
it's just incredible to hear you say that means the world to us for sure. We don't even own a wheelchair anymore. That's the that's best awesome. progress. We had dinner on Sunday and dude, it's amazing. Viking yeah, funeral dude. for that yes. wheelchair. That's yes. awesome, man. Yeah. Well, you guys had two weeks ago your one year anniversary. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. It's a big accomplishment. A lot of work has been put forth. So, you know, what's next for Defenders of the Bank? I know that there's some hints at new things coming. Yes. And, you know, if you want to tease it or actually announce it, whatever it is that you want to... Drop know. it now. Yeah, no. So here, a couple things. One, on Friday. This is Tuesday that we're recording this, Wednesday oh, yeah, or we Thursday. Should, we where should have the episode out. So if you guys listen to this episode, it's tonight, Friday. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, by Friday, we are celebrating our one-year anniversary little party at Free Play LA. There will be specials on Shocker here, Julius Peppers, the drink, the official drink of the Defenders of the Bank podcast. So we'll be there along with LAFC crew, the crew who are doing a toy drive to help benefit the Think Watts Foundation. We'll be there at Free Play LA. So when you're talking about in the immediate future, that's what's going on. What Philly has been pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and what we're finally going to get on this offseason before the start of next year, we'll have a YouTube presence, we'll have our website, defendersofthebank.com. We've got a lot of fun things planned for that. And, and what we're really looking forward to, again, the partnership with the Think Watts Foundation and being able to you know, start helping to fundraise for that. And there are a couple of interviews that we've got. You guys are what I love, and Jonathan, you say it so eloquently in the opening, is that you guys tell the stories of LAFC. You know, we, we do like to have people on from time to time sure. as interviews. You know, we've touched base with a couple of different people, and we've reached out to several that will be on the pod and we don't, in we the don't near future. And we don't own the interview space within of course. LAFC. No, but you know what? I, I have to say, listening to your podcast always. on a regular basis, you guys are an inspiration, though, not just for how to conduct the interviews, but that that mindset, that that platform that you have of telling the different stories, right? Like. A year and a half ago when we had our first interview, I kind of nicknamed it like stories from the stadium, right? But, you know, that that's all well and good. But you guys really do try and tell the story of so many different walks of the LAFC fan or experience the, being part of the Black and Gold family throughout, you know, whether it's members of the 3252 or members of the front office or players. You guys, you know, you've had several different players and people in the front office on. You know, what's really refreshing for us to hear is how you try and, and tell or let them tell their stories through your podcast. Well, the, the bank is a mosaic or a quilt of different shades of black and gold. So, I mean, and, it's and, important for all of them to have a voice and be able to express what they feel about the club. And I think, honestly, in 2020, we really want to try and focus on getting the casual fan. Sure. Just getting anybody. Anybody, mm-hmm. you know, not someone that has a, a face and a name, but just somebody that comes on and Hey, this is my story. This is why I love LAFC. And and I think that that is a compelling story and that people are going to be interested in that because it's it, it's something they can identify with. Or a first you don't impression. need to be a capo or a vice president or a player to have a space on this couch. All you need to have is a passion for the black and gold and a story. And we have that in our next guest. Our next guest is someone that is not necessarily a face of the 3252 or the club or anything. Our next guest who is going to be... He's coming. Yeah. I mean, we don't want to announce it. There's, there's, tease, there's, tease, tease, tease. I will say, is... too, by the way, as, as a huge nerd of all things outside of LAFC, your next guest, I can't wait 
to hear the interview oh, with this next great. guest. And please ask, yeah, yeah, please <laughs> ask this next guest about all of the things in the vein that I am hinting at. He can give us all the about. Baby Yoda info. Oh, yeah. my goodness. I can't wait. If you guys are not watching Mandalorian, come That's on. So good. So and, we're all, we know. And, and by the way, this it'll be Friday when this drops. If you're waiting for the new episode of Mandalorian it's, to drop, listening to this on Friday, it's tomorrow. It'll be dropping yeah. Wednesday. My my dad and I are going at five o'clock on Thursday. Are you? See. Oh, oh yeah, jealous. We're we're doing it. Chinese or where? No, we're going in Del Amo, South Bay. Okay, or, uh, oh, Del Amo, right. Torrance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm all the way down there. So yeah. check this out. I can't wait. Oh my gosh, this is a humble I brag have... for sure. I can't okay, wait. So for this. I have I have one ticket. I had one ticket to the El Capitan Marathon. Oh, oh really? I ended, up, I ended up getting one. I know you paid and, full price price. Uh huh. So I had one <laughs> ticket, yeah. right? So it starts tomorrow at five. You start with episode one. Yes. And then you go through midnight to the next day, Thursday, episode one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And nine is showing it like uh, six or seven o'clock at night. Right. So my son, my oldest son Gabriel, has his Christmas show tomorrow at uh, six o'clock. Yeah, but the next, the best part is next year I'll have another Christmas That's show. That's what I told my wife. Right. That's what I told my wife. And then next year, something tells me she didn't buy it. There's and another then, Star Wars. And then year. on Thursday, uh, my friends, a friend, close family friend, it's a funeral for her mom, and so then. So, if it was say how close, but then you threw yeah. the word funeral. But in, then, and that's... if it it was if it was just my son Gabriel's show, that was the first one, the first roadblock. And then when the uh, when the second thing came up with the funeral, my wife was like, "Look, that's a sign, man. Like you're not supposed right. to be like, going." To God this. no longer wants you to go to this thing. So that's then, it. You gotta. So, uh, needless to say, I have somebody else going to that event. In my place, uh, but I was just I had I very much so. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Wait. But, uh, uh, you know, I do have tickets to the Thursday night show with my wife and I. It's just going to be my wife and I. All right. So that brings us, gentlemen, to our final question of the night. It's the most important question we ask, and it's the basis of our entire show. So, JR, Christian, what does shoulder to shoulder mean to you? The three Fs, family, foundation, fraternity. We're born into a family, but ultimately we choose our family. Shoulder to shoulder means the people that unite under the black and gold banner, that's family. Foundation, for me personally, and, and Amanda as well, if it wasn't for LAFC, we wouldn't be as grounded, we wouldn't know as many people, we wouldn't have as much, we wouldn't have had the experiences that we did had it not been for the foundation that LAFC is. And the reason that I mean fraternity is because of the fact that I was in a fraternity. And I'm not talking about like, oh, yeah, I'm paying for friendship. No. Fraternity, I mean, is like we're all bounded together by a, a certain commonality, a certain passion, a certain like brother and sisterhood. I love this club. And that's why, you know, I'm basing it on family foundation and fraternity. LAFC's meant a great deal to myself and to my family because, you know, my co-host, he's born and raised here. I'm not. In fact, I haven't even been here that long. I, I hit four years in March with my wife. If it wasn't for LAFC, I probably wouldn't have had the, the friends that I've had. I probably wouldn't have had the experiences that I've had. I probably wouldn't have had the relationships that I've had. And so that's what shoulder to shoulder means to me. The triple F's. Family, foundation, fraternity. Yeah, you know, the crazy thing about shoulder to shoulder, what 
LAFC has done, and I, I look at shoulder to shoulder through the lens of LAFC because it really solidified what that phrase means to me. Shoulder to shoulder, when we are done with Jump for LA Football Club, when we are literally locked arm in arm with our fellow black and gold faithful side by side, we're, we're sometimes a little winded, sometimes a little sore, sometimes a little drunk, sometimes <laughs> a little out of it, sometimes. whatever it might be. And yet you look at the person next to you and they're having the same shared experience, right? They're also sore. They're also winded. They're also drunk. They're also whatever it might be. And then I look to our Founders family, all all of us that sit in Founders Club, that we're all in the same five-year contract, but we're also in the same five-year family. And we can't wait. And we've talked about it. We've tried to re-up to, like you mentioned earlier, seven or or however many years they want us to re-up to. And there's that family, that camaraderie. And then I look to the guy sitting to my left, and there's nothing in the world that would have brought us together if not for Founders Club at Bank of California Stadium, LAFC. I I can honestly say that there are five other fantastic people sitting in this room here that I would never have met if not for the black and gold. And so for me, shoulder to shoulder, like we said earlier in the podcast, we talk about the cathedral of the black and gold this is where we go to worship on sunday or saturday or a wednesday midday which we hope that never happens again whatever it might be (laughs) and it becomes an act of being shoulder to shoulder without ever thinking about it and to me that is what shoulder to shoulder means is going to the bank or going to the burger stand or going to the car wash or just running into somebody while you're shopping in costco whatever it might be and you see the L.A. on their hat and you go, L.A., and they go, F.C. That's it. Or you see the sticker or you see the the license plate and you honk your horn or you tilt your head the other way and they get it, right? And it, it means the world being part of not just 22,000, but the millions and millions of the black and gold faithful out there around the world. And that, that's honestly what shoulder to shoulder means to me. Those are two great answers, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for our semi-centennial episode. Happy 50th, guys. Thank awesome. You. 50. And, you know, again. 500 more. Another you know, one. I mean, Another it's. A Ferrari. You know, you guys are celebrating your one year. Like I said, we started around the same time. We just celebrated yeah. technically our one year earlier this month from when I originally started the the whole idea. And it's it's been a great journey, you know, and I, I just want to say thank you again guys for coming in and if you uh aren't following defenders of the bank you're missing out it's at defenders of the bank at instagram and at defend the bank on twitter and then there is at uh lafc underscore the The scarf scarf, right yeah and uh at was it phil monster 35 35. yeah Yeah, soon to be 40 and uh, all defenders of the bank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, uh, you know, if you guys are listening to us, hopefully you're following us at LAFCS to us and, you know, follow uh, Jar and Mai's new adventure at LAFC history. And we're excited for 2020. Yeah. I mean, I think there's there's so many great things about the LAFC community and the pod fam to us has been such an important one. And as we wrap up our final episode of the first year of this podcast, before we come back next year with a new season for us in the pod fam, uh, refreshed and anew, we couldn't stop but thank the people who have helped us get here. And certainly Defenders and, and the rest of our friends within the pod fam have helped us get here. 
one thing I love about these episodes is that every episode of Defenders starts with my voice as part of the Jump for LA Football Club. <laughs> and every episode of S2S ends with the phrase, defend that bank. To illustrate that point, take us home, Sticks. Hey, shopping down to Nikki's, Koreatown Liddy. Cape us so mommy, about to drop her fifth. They won't need to stop, but I ain't. Come to my house, I'll defend that bank.